rock and roll. Ready to go. You ready to rock and roll? Yeah, we're do back. Do you like rock and roll? Um, I do. I like some rock and roll. Me too. Love it. Although rock and roll sounds like, uh, it sounds old. I mean, what, what do you think of when you think of rock and roll? Like when you, when, when you hear that term, what, what comes to mind? I'm a, I'm an experiential based person. So like uh, experiences, music is like heavily, heavily impacts my overall experience, right? It's one of the, one of the sense it touches on a lot of senses when yeah. you're out there. Mm-hmm. So I think of driving my truck with the windows down is on there, an open highway, or I think about being in the gym. Is there an up. art, an artist that comes to mind when you think of the term? Rock Aerosmith. And, oh, okay. Yeah. That takes me back. Aeros- I was yeah. thinking like uh, Bon Jovi. Aerosmith. Bring, that's Bruce like Springsteen my, maybe. That's like the, my, uh, yeah, like the, you know, somebody says a word and the first thing that comes to mind, like the picture in your mind, Aerosmith, mm. man. 70-year-old lady dancing around on stage. Did you say 70? <laughs> yeah. yeah. 70-year-old lady dancing around on stage. That's what I mean by rock and roll. Dated, yeah. it, feel, it feels dated. I think like within rock and roll right now, you have, you know, you have punk, you have metal. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You the, the roll part always sounds weird to me. Like, yeah, I can get the rocking, but what's... what's you're on the, a roll, bro. Roll. Like, yeah. <laughs> Are you on a roll or you're rolling? Like, I don't know. Like on a, the ground rolling. That's you're, like on the party. you're on the honor roll. That's a good question. Honor roll. <laughs> That's a good question. Can I talk about how pumped I am that it's just the boys backing in? Yeah, it is kind of nice. We've been meaning to do this for a while, um, but we've had a lot of guests just kind of mm-hmm. went to the Western Honey Expo. Then we had some guys in town and it just kind of kept rolling. We got the UFC guys in town. So like it was just guest after guest. But yeah. now we're back. The boys are buzzing. We are officially back. Yeah, you got you to gotta take the time when we got people in town to like record good podcasts For with, sure. with guests. And we had some good ones. We had some good guests in Salt Lake. And you, you guys had Bader on, which is super cool. I listened to that yesterday. Bader's a stud. Yeah. We're going to get Chandler on here pretty soon, too. Which was really cool. Um, yeah, I had Derek Wolf and the guys from Apex yeah. next, which was cool. We got You got some Conquer right there. It's my my podcast PED right there. You got you got a serious roll of rogues right there. Yeah, that's my Is that other for the day? podcast PED. <laughs> I just kind of I bounce back between the sixes and threes, and then I go to the greens and back to blues. There you go. I don't Mostly, think any, you know what's funny. You know what's funny matter. about rogues. What I've noticed is you know how Gatorades nobody knows the flavor; they just all call it by the color. Yeah. That's everyone is the same with rogues. Hey, you got same. some blue ones. You got mm-hmm. some green ones. I don't even know what the what the, the actual flavors are. Flavors are. Yeah. Lean back. Oh, pull pull just, this mic closer to me and lean lean back. Um, I can't feel my tried, on the table. That, What's that one that you had, Trail? The cinnamon one. Uh, cinnamon, cinnamon burns. Cinnamon. Just yeah, that's what's good. Burning. I don't know, man. I can't do it. I like cinnamon in general. Yeah. Like cinnamon, cinnamon uh, Jolly Ranchers. Yeah. Those are the best. I don't like sugar, so I don't know. You don't? <laughs> I say yeah to it. Stays true to it. And I love it. But yeah, we got we got the three of us back, which is good. We, but, got, yeah. we got a bunch of topics. We have, we're, we're, we're missing. We're, we're missing this guy. We've been asked a lot about him, too, which honestly, like, Looking back, we do feel bad, but like I said, we had all those guests, so it just like wasn't. We were, we were waiting for the time, time when uh, Mister. We were talking about Christopher Neville here. Yeah, talk about Neb Doggy. We just yeah. we never had the right time, and nobody wants our, you know, our drama yeah. in our life. Everybody's got their own. Um, but anyways, yeah. So Neville was a stud, great guy, and he fell in love and he, moved to Colorado. I, I think the true definition is Twitter pated. Twitter pated. Twitter pated. Yeah. You ever watch Bambi? Yeah, it's yeah. Been you know, all the, all the animals been and Bambi was like all the animals are getting Twitter paid, you know, getting in love. Like, kind of like the word. It's the more I'm, yeah. It. Like that's the <laughs> true definition of what Neville got. You know, we all joke that he needs to find himself yeah. a nice lady. He found himself an awesome lady. I mean, we tried to talk him into staying in yeah. Vegas. Um, we still do a ton of work with him. I was just on a meeting with him yesterday, uh, but obviously being like in Colorado and not in Vegas, it's going to be difficult to have him like 
part of the boys like it used to be. Um, so he fell in love, moved to Colorado, um, living life out there. He packed his truck up, left. How long has he been gone for? When did he leave? Since like late November, I think it was. Late November? When I was in Tajikistan, he was gone. So we still work, still work a ton with him. Like I said, um, we love Neville. We here's wanted him for to everyone stay. Washington, here's a little shout out to Mr. Oh, Neville. Yeah, yeah, right right I still drink out of his mug that he forgot here. His <laughs> oh, Iowa I love it. He left a little piece of him. Yeah, so I, I stole it even though, you know, I'm not an Iowa boy. But Yeah. That's what happens when you fall in love, man. Weird yeah. things happen. We, we wish him the best. He's doing great out there. I just talked to him probably five minutes before we jumped on. Just catch up. He's still doing some work for us. Oh, yeah. Does a ton of work. Still yeah. does. Manages all, like, our video content. Does a lot of still, like, managing content, but just... As far as a face and being on the podcast and doing this and that, it's obviously, you know, until Elon develops time travel, yep. it's going to be a little difficult to have him <laughs> a part of it. So Yeah, and good good on him. I mean, his, I uh, his girlfriend, Abby, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw that out there. Shout I, out, I'm Abby. A, I'm a huge fan of Abby. Yep. I met her a few times. They were, they were nice enough when I was in Vegas. I would stay over sometimes at their place, and she's super so cool. So he moved for a good reason. Yeah, man. That's good. And Full support. The only thing I'm more sad about, though, too, is like I miss Summit. Oh, yeah. Oh, Abby's, dog. Abby's dog. Who do you miss more, Summit or no? Summit. <laughs> Summit. <laughs> My son misses Summit. Yeah, he always asks me about the big dog. But the, the cool thing is, though, he's a Colorado resident now. I know. That is That's true. true. I'm I think he's going to be able to he, you know, turn his residency in, so by the time hunting season comes around, he'll be able to pick up some resident tags and that sort of thing. But, like, it's a pretty good state to be a resident. I'm in. extremely jealous. Yeah, I was telling him all those uh, non-resident points that he was building for elk in Colorado just became that much more important because mm-hmm. as a resident, it opens up some doors for him that yeah, were man, unavailable. If I, if to I moved to Colorado right now as a resident, holy shit, man, I'm in yeah. the, I'm in the pool. Yeah, you go. I mean, at his point level in Colorado for elk, I mean, he essentially goes from what twenty percent of the available tags for non-residents to eighty percent. Eighty percent. Yeah, it opens up some doors, and there's definitely some good hunts that are available to him now at his point level as a resident that were not as a non-resident. So. Yeah, I mean, good for That's him. It's pretty sick. And he's still young. I mean, what is he? Twenty-seven, twenty-eight. Yeah, yeah, you know, something like that. Yeah. Yep. Right at the age to get Twitter paid. Yep. <laughs> That's he's about smitten the, with love. Smitten with love. Man. I told him thirty. He has to wait till thirty to get married. I lost a bet last year. I was I thought I was going to get engaged by Christmas, and he didn't. We he all did. did say I was on your side, yeah. but I mean, but the move thing, the common that, law. Kind of, kind of, I mean, the yeah. guy moved, and they're they're uh, cohabitating. There's not the word for it. They're cohabitating in a new state, so yeah. that kind of counts. Yeah, I don't know that that word existed when I was growing up. It's yeah. just, especially in Utah. <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor nut doggy. It was just, it was just married. You That's were straight, straight going to hell. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> if you cohabitated. Uh, oh man. <laughs> it is what it is. But yeah, we love Neville. So for all of you that have been asking, I mean, that's essentially the situation. Neville moved to Colorado, wished he was on, wished he was still here. Yeah. Love the dude still working with us. Good relationship with that guy and, and wish him nothing but the best and, you know, continue to work with us as well. Yep. So. Yeah. Cool. What else? We got we got a lot of topics today to cover. We kind of laid them out earlier in the week. Yeah. Kind of picked some ideas. There's a lot going on, it feels like, which is why I think we decided to have this type of podcast now. Just yeah. kind of a round table, kick around some topics that we're all thinking about and stuff that's, you know, hot off the press. There's a lot of hot topics too. There are Mike heated. Before we dive I think, our, I think our opinions are all the same. On I know things, that's so. the thing is that it could potentially be heated, but I think we're all kind of on the same page. Yeah. We've all strayed away from talking about it like fully, so we yeah. could we could do this together and not like know exactly what each each other is going to say. But 
we all kind of know each other too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to get going on that, do you want to just dive in? We want to tackle the first one. Trail, I want you to hit us with the promo code. Promo Ooh. code. Promo code podcast. Uh, if you guys are wanting to sign up for a Go Hunt Insider account, which if you're not a member, you should be. If you want to hunt out west, it's really the key to getting a permit to put yourself in the field this fall. Use the promo code podcast when you sign up for a Go Hunt Insider account. We're going to give you 50 points, which is 50 bucks into the Go Hunt Gear Shop. So you can use that towards the purchase of any gear that you want in the Go Hunt Gear Shop. Um, you know, I was looking at doing some videos later this afternoon. We have a bunch of new gear coming in. We have a bunch of new archery stuff coming in, which I'm yeah, stoked about. Me too. Um, some new sites, which I've been trying to, you know, lobbying for in essence to to bring into the shop. So. Right now is a great time to sign up for an insider account, do your research, apply for permits, get a chance to go hunting, and then use that 50 points, 50 bucks to buy yourself some gear to help you be that much more successful in the fall. So podcast promo. How was that? That was really good. I'm proud of you, Trey. (laughs) That was really good. You guys both. I get three hours. See, when I drive down here, I get essentially like two and a half hours. So, so you were just, just rehearsing. To rehearse. Yeah, yeah, I rehearse. It, it takes yeah. me back to. You technically time traveled, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's it. Two I lost and a half an hour. hours, yeah, but it was did. only an hour. That's it. Yeah. That, that, that's why I wanted you to jump in that first, because I figured we can jump into some of the deadlines we got coming up. So mm-hmm. like, like Trail said, right now is application season. Like you've been crunching on. You know what, New Mexico app strategy article. Woof. Mm-hmm. Yep. So those are a beast. If anyone hasn't checked out our New Mexico application <laughs> strategy articles, you will see how long and in depth they are. Because how many freaking species do we got there? When include exotics, exotics oh, is the one where it gets really long. And a lot yeah. of people are interested in the exotics. Yeah. I love like I love yeah. that opportunity at free range wild oryx, exotics. barbary yeah, sheep, awesome. ibex. My gosh, I love yep. that. Yep, you got all the exotic species, uh, you know, bighorn sheep, which is when, you know, Lorenzo drew a tag in New Mexico. They got Mexico. deserts and bighorns. Yeah, desert and Rockies and phenomenal trophy quality yeah. oh, man. In, in New Mexico. It's one of the states, I would say, I mean, maybe maybe Arizona for deserts. I mean, they've got some big sheep, but overall, New Mexico has been kind of a standout in the last few years for, for trophy sure bighorn sheep. Mm-hmm. Odds are extremely stiff, but once again, random draw. Yeah, you never know. You drew a tag, like I said. I did. Yeah, New Mexico. You got deer, elk, antelope, Barbary, ibex, uh, orcs, bighorn. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, a lot coos, coos, and coos too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Coos deer. Hey, yeah. we have we also added javelina, mm-hmm. yes, and we, we added turkey mm-hmm. draws yes, and, you and profile bear. information, and yep. and we got bear stuff. So we're adding so new Mex- things all the time. In insider New Mexico is a that's a beast. Yeah, every time I write one of those. It's um, it's a it's a double-edged sword because it's super time-consuming, um, but I learn so much. Like yeah. every year, like I'm refreshed and like I get excited about the hunts. I get excited about application season, especially when I start to dig in and I start looking at elk units. I've been really excited about deer in New Mexico, which a lot of people don't talk about deer in New Mexico, and I think they largely look at it as like an opportunity type state. Mm-hmm. Every time I write an app strategy for deer in New Mexico, I get stoked and I want to go hunt deer in New Mexico. I just have never, never done it. Coos or mule? Muleys. Really? Yeah. I was hoping you were going to say coos. I don't want you our to talk good about friend, deer. Our good friend and acquaintance, <laughs> uh, acquaintance uh, Dennis Lee, mm-hmm. had a New Mexico mule deer tag. Yeah, he had one of the, the better ones, right? And like, ever uh, since he reported back, I have wanted a tag ever since. Yeah. You start looking at New Mexico as a whole. I mean, a lot of that state is really dry and you got some low country that's either like, you know, low lying scrub type land or you got some PJ mix. And, you know, like a lot of like Arizona, it's a dry state for the most part, you know, and a lot of antler growth in those southern states. it, It depends on moisture and 
I mean, that's one thing I get excited about. I start looking at the moisture maps, you know, the drought index maps from year over year. Yep. And I mean, it's still dry in New Mexico, but man, they are heads, heads yeah. above what they and have in the last two years. I'll tell you what I get years. really excited about is not just the precipitation as a whole, but it's snowpack precipitation. Yeah. Have, you, have you checked out the uh, Vegas Valley one recently? Not to get yeah. off the subject of New Mexico. Yeah. But yeah. That was my gosh. It's like 200. It's crazy. Uh, 84%. And it, and the, the good news too is it's snowpack precipitation which you know we're desert rats down here mm -hmm. snowpack is a lot more important than just straight rain because rain runs off so fast on all that slick rock and doesn't exactly you know get as deep as it needs to to really help the vegetation out i mean it obviously helps mm -hmm. we'll take anything we can get but when yeah. it's snowpack and it does the slow settle and melt mm -hmm. that's a lot more important yeah, New Mexico, I mean, if you look at it, I think a lot of people don't realize that New Mexico, it's, it's got some extremely high ranges. Yeah. I mean, you look at some of those ranges in New Mexico, I mean, it's 10,000, 12,000 feet. I mean, it's high country, mm -hmm. you know, holds moisture, holds good snowpack, um, good summer range for deer, and, and I would say, you know, for elk as well. But, like, when you look at New Mexico, specifically in regards to trophy potential, there's some some areas that have got good good moisture, good growth, good summer range, and I think there's some potential there, at least in my research and just digging through, you know, New Mexico for deer specifically. There's some potential there that I think it's it's out there. Yeah. And draws. I don't know if you guys ever look at draws for deer in New Mexico. All the time. <laughs> but draws are actually pretty decent. Yeah. They're really good for residents. I mean, there's no no reason a resident couldn't put a deer tag in their pocket pretty consistently. Even for non-residents right now, I mean, when if, you look at it's everything not on your radar, it should be. Yeah, it, it, when you look at everything else as a whole, draws like New Mexico is definitely you should be in it. You yep. know, like comparably to some of the other stuff. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So New Mexico, like it's, you asked, it's coming up March twenty second. March twenty second, and that's also the same time as like all the guide draw stuff too. They don't have a separate one like Nevada does. Nope. Yeah, so you March have. Uh, yeah, you have three pools of permits essentially. Guide draw which is a cool opportunity in New Mexico. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's a pool of permits, which is up to 10%, up to 10% of their allocated permits for each hunt code can go in the guide draw. And that doesn't necessarily have to be to a non-resident or a resident. I mean, both residents and non-residents can apply in the guide draw. And, uh, you know, if you can get a guide agreement, you have to have a signed agreement in place with a guide to go into that guide draw before you apply. But, uh, odds are better for those hunts because there are a few people that are willing to go guided. And yeah. I mean, they also have a unique program wherein, and I don't know if I should say this or not, but I'm going to, why not? Right. Uh, New Mexico, like the law for guides and outfitters down there is they have to guide you for two, two full days. So it has to be mm -hmm. like the first two days of your hunt. Um, you know, a lot of guides and outfitters I would assume would probably prefer to do a fully guided hunt, you know, so they get the, the most bang for their buck. But for those guys that are out there and they're willing to guide, you know, two hunts or two days, excuse me, um, you meet your agreement and, you know, essentially you, you get that tag. And after that, you can go hunt on your own if you want to. And it does put you into that guide draw, which does have a higher allocation of permits. So it's a nice little loophole. Yeah. Nice, good nice, one. nice perk. Great one. Yeah. Hey, uh, Cody's got this precipitation map pulled up. Go over to New Mexico. Can't quite see New Mexico. Yeah, so you you can see there are pockets there that yeah, are 100 percent, 178 percent southern end of the state. I mean, you look over there on the Gila, 184 percent, 164 percent in the south end of the state. But then you have a lot of the state that is you know kind of status quo. I, yeah. I, if you were to look at that from 2020 and 2021, you would see it was like super droughty. Yeah, which really dry. Bad. 
Which really is why I say I think it's it's a great time to talk about my article I released yesterday on this exact same subject. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's, do, let's let's do that. We we kind of covered New Mexico. I mean, if you, like I said, deadline coming up. Um, New Mexico is awesome. I, I, I will forever be indebted to New Mexico for the sheep tag that I drew mm-hmm. out of there. I, I mean, I'll always have a special place for for that state. But I mean, even you know, looking at it unbiased, it's it is a go to state for sure. Yeah, and we we've done a video what you need to know for New Mexico. You guys can check that out. Completely random draw, no point system. I like yeah. that fact. You get three choices. I wish more states would do that. They take into account all three of your choices before they move to the next applicant so you can kind of stagger your hunts. I, I love New Mexico. I like their draw system, and I've never had a bad hunt in New Mexico, mm-hmm. ever. Or should we talk about your Audad hunt? Yeah, we can talk about Audad. Talk about Audad. Well, yeah, how'd that go? Let me get back went, in my snowpack thing. Yeah. Yeah, I went down. I drew... Uh, Drew an odd ad tag, um, drew that in the guide draw, actually, just like I said, um, went down, met my two day agreement. Um, and then after that was able to, to hunt on my own. I looked at, uh, <laughs> what, 250 plus sheep in six days, seven days. And, uh, didn't see a lot of Rams. And it was like one of those, I think I probably saw four or five Rams. Uh, I would, I would say probably only one that was potentially bigger than the you know, you that I shot, which, yeah. you know, kind of preface it with that. I did shoot a you. Um, but yeah, ton of fun, just super cool country. Gnarly country. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Why do you think it was with the, the Ram, the you? Well, here's the thing. On. I've never hunted Barbary sheep and I've gone back and forth. I'm, I'm debating on whether, uh, it's just a, you know, like a, if there's just not as many Rams, you know, if like their ratio is a little mm-hmm. bit skewed, like if there just really are a lot more use in that unit, or those units than there are uh, rams, or pr- probably more likely is, is my opinion is those rams are probably there. They were you know not breeding season. They breed a couple times a year, is my understanding. Yeah, typically like October and then maybe like February, like mid February, late February. So I'm thinking that like I just didn't find those pockets of rams, and and again I don't know enough about the species, and I haven't ever hunted down there to kind of know what uh, you know specifically to be looking for to to really find the rams. So that's my guess, is I just didn't find those pockets of rams. I think they were probably there. I just didn't find them. Yeah. Would mm-hmm. you do it again? Did you oh, like the hunt? Dude, heart, I'm addicted. Yeah. What, was the, what was the most fun thing you realized about hunting Barbary, or whatever wants to call them, Barbary slash Audad, mm-hmm. compared to other species? Like what, what makes it exciting and like makes you want to come back that badly? Um, I mean, for me, it was a brand new species. Mm-hmm. You know, never hunted it, which is always cool. It's the only sheep species I've ever hunted. Probably the only species I'll ever hunt. You know, so in that don't rega- put that out there. <laughs> so in that regard, it was super cool. Uh, I I think they're a cool animal. I mean, I just think they look cool. They got the you know shafts, long me beard. Too. They've got you know cool cool horns. Um, and then just the country. I mean, a different different type of country. Real rocky. Not a lot of vegetation. You got cactus and. And then just travel. I mean, any time of hunt where you're traveling, you're seeing a new environment, you're in a new area, and you're really I like I like learning. Like I'm exploring and hunting a new species in a new yeah. area. I think for me that was probably like the most exciting. And then I don't know. I mean, you look at you look at harvest photos that people take. You know, with these big, huge ass Barbary sheep, and yeah. they're just cool. Yeah. Like you killed a couple. I killed one. So my dad back when I played football before I completely gave that shit up for hunting. <laughs> I had to kind of, we had to manipulate the hunts we did around football season. Obviously mm-hmm. football doesn't fall into the greatest of dates. Um, so we did, we went barbary hunting uh, when I was a sophomore in high school. And yeah, my dad and I both shot one and it was 
awesome. Mm-hmm. It was I, like, I can't believe I haven't done it again since, but yeah, I really want to. I, yeah. Like really want to. They're I, uh, awesome animals. The shaps, the, the mohawks yeah. on them, they're badass animals. Yeah. You know, everybody and told just me, like total spot and stock. Like you want to talk about yeah. true spot and stock? Holy shit! Yeah, it doesn't go, get any better than that. And glass your eyes out. Oh man! I mean, I love that type of hunt anyway. Cover country, sit down, get comfortable behind a tripod, and just glass till your eyes bleed. Yep. And man, those animals are so much harder to pick out than I ever would have thought. I mean, they're a weird color for like what the what the, the country they, is out here. They blend in. I mean, they're yeah. pretty much the same color as all the rocks, you mm-hmm. know. And the, and the vegetation breaks them up a little bit, but yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, you know, and you're like when you're hunting mule deer, especially late season, you get into like October, November, all those bucks have turned, you know, gray, dark gray, but they have that distinguishing feature that either, you know, white face yes. or white butt. That white, butt. Yeah, white butt that just sticks out. Barbary sheep don't really have that. No. I mean, they're pretty much the same color as everything around them. So, yeah, glassing was, was challenging. <laughs> so, so it could be one of those animals in a way where like you're kind of refining your glassing techniques. You're learning to pay more attention to the smaller details. Like really look hard instead of just like, oh, hey, I'm looking for a white patch mm-hmm. or I'm looking for, you know, this big school bus of an elk, you know, the shape of it. Like yep. you're able to hone in things and maybe it <laughs> makes you a better glasser after you do Bless hunt you, like Cody. that. Yeah. The other cool thing about it was just, it was just so game rich. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, yeah. I'm seeing, That's always fun. you know, 30 to I don't know, 40 a day or something like yeah. that. I mean, it's a slow day, fun. I might've saw like five or six, but like you're always seeing sheep, you know, and it's just like that next one could be the yeah, it one. Could be it. Yeah. yeah. So it was like really engaging in that regard. Um, you know, the weather was rough. I had super windy days for three days straight. I mean, it was like 40, 50 mile an hour winds. Ooh. I had some snow. I don't think that's that uncommon, especially late season down there. I think no. it's, it's pretty windy. Um, you know, I got, I drove, I was all, all all the way in Texas and then north into New Mexico. So that was, that was a long damn ways from home. But is that country you can like backpack or are you mainly like spike camping with the truck and then driving around and, and doing some long mm-hmm. hikes coming back or what's the. I think you could, uh, I mean, you could backpack. There's some big deep canyons and stuff that you could work in. I don't think you're ever going to be more than, you know, a few miles from a road. Yeah. And then probably water's pretty hard to find too. And water, yeah. Yeah. I would say take all the water you can find. I don't know that they're that dependent on water. It doesn't mm. seem it anyway. I think there's some guzzlers and stuff and they probably hit it, you know, periodically, but I don't think, I don't think you could plan on hunting water as a strategy. Yeah. I, I heard rumor uh, of a guy that shot a big ram uh, on the archery hunt off of a water source, but I think he'd set it for like 11 days. And I think mm. that's the only I mean, sheep to hunt that sheep came in. on water like that, it sounds like a <laughs> grind to me. Yeah. Sheep don't rely on water quite like yeah. anything else. Yeah, but they're cool, man. I mean, like when I drive from Cedar City to Vegas, I drive through the gorge and all that mm-hmm. country, and I like look out across the landscape, and I'm like, man, there could be Barbary. We could have Barbary here, but oh, really? let's transplant them. Yeah, that's the, the problem. Is, is no more get, bucket biology no. in the West. Yeah. <laughs> let's, stop, let's stop that. You, you've yeah. got that uh, conflict potentially between you know Barbary sheep, and you know they might carry disease and domestic, and then you've yeah. got native bighorn. And I don't, I don't know that that's a good thing. But no, te- yeah. Let's be clear. I am all for the native yeah. big one. I was, that was not a full. I, I, I'm transplant. I, I knew where you're going. I knew no, where you're that going. was not. A I don't full know, thing. man. I'm torn because they're hardy species and they seem to do really well. You know, with yeah. domestics. You know, there's not that many people that get to hunt desert bighorns. There's a shit ton of people that get to hunt in Barbary. That's all I'm saying. That's what. Yeah. <laughs> and that honestly, that is. I can't believe I haven't done it. Like listening to you talk right now, I'm I'm actually pretty mad at myself that I haven't done it again. Mm-hmm. Because, I, I mean, my dad and I, that was one of the most fun hunts we had ever been on, right? Like, we found a mm-hmm. band of rams. He killed the the lead, of course. My dad shot first. I, we, I wasn't, he, he hadn't handed over the reins to me yet. Yeah. And uh, 
the second bit, you know, band of Rams, they all stood around when the lead Ram dropped. And then we kind of got to like sneak in up, get a closer shot for me. And, uh, it was awesome, man. It yeah. was like a total sheep hunt. It was awesome. And that's the thing I'm most excited about, about doing one is the nasty country, the gnarliness. We got to do it. Hey, you might, this. you could die going across this cliff or going up this cliff to try to recover yeah. something. I'm into that. Sign me you up. are, you are into that. I'll be there <laughs> a lot more than I am. We yeah. should, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I want to, uh, we need to start talking about how we're going to chase this. Do in that, in, in that regard, it'd be right up your alley. I mean, there's some really gnarly country. I, I came back, I think within a day when I came back, I talked to you and I said, this, yeah, I this, <laughs> this is a hunt for Brady. Yeah. Brady would just absolutely, the mountain athlete. he would dig this. Like this would be right up his alley. Lots of real rough, rocky terrain, tons of glassing. I think you'd really like it. So my big question then, would you sacrifice some other hunt you got going on maybe to be like, make this part of your schedule more? like do a barbering more I, often where i'm at and I, i've had this conversation two three times the last i don't know since hunting season uh ended this year yeah like my late season mule deer hunting has gotten so you know i, I mean this respectfully obviously but like what it was five eight years ago it's mm -hmm. just it's not the same you know it's it's mm -hmm. and you know i haven't switched my mentality going into it maybe i should i don't know what it is but i'm kind of burnt out on this late season mule deer hunting and yeah, I would definitely replace something like this yeah, in those late seasons. What, for why sure. do you think that is? Like, what what is it about that late? Is it like you've hit satiation? Like you're 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 over it? Or yeah, a little I bit think, over it. Or is it that the the quality and the I, opportunity isn't as good as what it was eight years ago? So the the first being topics. I love this. We're yeah, the first being seventy percent of it. <laughs> the second part of that being thirty percent of it. Which, like, yes, I am over it, and I am. You know, like you were talking about the adventure of it, learning new mm -hmm. country, new animals, all that stuff. That's what I love more than anything. That's why I like new places. That's why I like applying in all these different states, going, trying to figure it out. You start e-scout, you start doing this. It's all new, right? It's like keeps your interest going. And mule deer is my favorite species. So that's always, you know, why I'm willing and wanting to, you know, spend the time and do the same stuff over and over and over again. It's because I love big mule deer, mm -hmm. um, but they're the big mule deer aren't the same as they have been. I mean, it's been droughted out incredibly horrible. I mean, when you look back and this year is seemingly very different. Um, but I'm still like, I'm pretty burnt out on it, honestly. Yeah. And I, and my expectations of just being honest, my expectations of size have not changed, but obviously the quality of animals has over the last eight, five years specifically. And uh, just kind of over it. I want to do something new. Can I, can I lead you a certain direction yeah. here? I want to hear your opinion on something. Yeah. Our late season dates in Colorado, how, you know, they're pushing up back everything. Now third mm -hmm. season's mm -hmm. almost before Thanksgiving, four yep. season's pretty much in Thanksgiving. Yep. Um, a lot of that, you know, to me, when I'm looking at it, seems to benefit some elk hunters because Wildly. a lot of people, you know, complain that the elk aren't pushing down anymore. They can't find the elk because they're up in the mountains, so they're not pushing those season dates back. So at the same time doing that, they're not separating out the mule deer season. So now Correct. the mule deer season are going more into the rut. So now we're starting to just absolutely, potentially, you know, in certain years, could nuke mule deer population, especially older, mature deer, getting a little dumber, getting more in the rut, which I have a very strong opinion about. You yeah, know, and they up, the, the and, and and up the tag quotas at the same up time. The tag quotas, so we're not like quite managing mule deer specifically because we're managing for the animal that brings in all the cash, which Correct. is an elk. Yeah, I'm entirely on the same page as you. Like I, I have, I've hunted Colorado late season. Colorado for the last, I mean, uh, what, 12 years in a row, literally 12. I think this is my 12th year, if I'm doing the math right, and 11th year. And yeah, I've like, I've seen it 
happened. Like I know you've right seen it. That's why I wanted to ask you. I've seen it happen. And when they pushed everything back and they upped the tag quotas at the same time, there's no doubt. Like, you know, they all the data you want to look at and pull, harvest success hasn't gone up, this, that, whatever. I'm just telling you anecdotally, and, visually yep. being out there every single year, it is different. It took a, it took a massive hit. They did get nuked. There's yeah. no question and about now, it. Now you're and it was all for elk. It was all for the elk. And didn't Colorado even say that? No, I'm, <laughs> it didn't, well, they don't directly say it. it. It depends. I mean, this is this is one of those things. But I mean, the the justification for upping the tag quotas was to essentially reduce the number of older age class bucks in a population to eliminate the encroachment of the era of uh, don't say the c word. Okay, CWD. <laughs> yeah, of chronic wasting disease. Yeah. That, so it's more prevalent in older age class bucks. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're carriers, you know, passing it on as well. So that was that was the justification that, see, but, that Parks and Wildlife used. Well, it's like that last podcast with Dax, though. Like, mm-hmm. oh, we don't want all of our deer to get CWD, so let's shoot all of our we'll deer. Shoot deer. Like, what, what do the, the outcome is just as bad? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, but that was the justification yeah. that, that, they, that they used. So I, mean, I don't know. Is it elk? Is it, is it CWD? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. When Dak <laughs> said that, though, it like resonated with me, right? We don't want all yeah. of our deer to get CWD, so let's kill all of our deer. Yeah, well, I mean, it's the same. Isn't, isn't that the same thing? I don't know. Yeah, it's a hard one to me. Like, you, you're just kind of loving your animals to death by like doing certain things. That's just going to knock them back again when you don't let. You know, CWD's been around forever. Like, it's a tough one, man. On. It really is. And uh, look, I am extremely biased. I'm knowingly, I know myself, I'm extremely biased to mule deer. But uh, I mean, I can't help but think, you know, they took it in the shorts because of the elk. Well, mm. it also goes back to, the, you know, part of that conversation we had with Dax is, you know, so much of hunting, tag allocation, a lot of that is just social quote unquote science, social science, what, yeah. what, what the public wants. There's probably a lot of people sitting out there that love increased tag quotas and the chance, oh, yeah. to, sh- chance to shoot a, a two point. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Good. on I you. agree. And there's a lot of good that comes from that too. It's not all bad. Right? Yeah. Not, not, not all bad. I'm just two saying, things can be true at once Yeah, for, for so. a guy that's haunted his whole life. Like yeah. you, you've killed some giant deer, mm-hmm. you know, you want the opportunity to potentially chase a da- giant deer each year in Colorado. It's, you know, not the same for you. It's not the same. And the whole two point thing, Mike. Uh, oh. Yeah, we can get into a whole conversation. I I do so. I support hunting as a whole. Whatever whatever hunting that is for anybody, I don't give a shit what kind of hunting it is. If you're buying hunting licenses and applying and yep. you know supporting yes. and talking about it, putting it in good light, I don't give a shit what kind of hunting you do. Private, public, doesn't matter. I'm all for it. All for it. Just want you to have a good time and want you to keep doing it. Now, again, you know, the in the There's quantum t- world we live in, two things can be true at once, right? So like. I, 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 agree. they should be able to do that. However, 100% they should be able to, however, there should also be the other side of it at the same time, which is, you know, management of quality, you yeah. know, not just quantity. Yeah. Cause everyone hunts for different reasons, which they exactly. always will be able to, and they I and everyone they always can, find. can. And if there was those, those, you know, yeah, but doing, doing it multiple times, like, okay, you have your first time hunter. I won't go for it. Yeah. Yes. Get that experience. Everyone needs experience. Like you're talking about the podcast, just kill. Just kill. The best way to get better at killing bigger animals is to kill. Just kill. It's the only way to get good so at like it. So, like, you have to, you're definitely progression going up, but like, you know, continually to do it over time, or yeah. continually to hunt these things in the rut. And then maybe you've traveled all the way out there and you're not willing to eat a tag and you can shoot some bushes. Definitely, you're right again to do it. Yeah. It gets Which interesting. It's a slippery it gets, slope. With, it gets interesting quick. It really does. I mean, it's a, it's a, 
very complex conversation. And everybody, you know, we talked about this on one of the other podcasts selfishly. Mm-hmm. I want every tag, don't want anybody to have one, yeah. and, you know, the biggest, best animals on the planet. But that's just not the reality of what's going to happen. Yeah. And, you know, there's somebody on the other side of the table that says, I just want to go hunting with my family every single year. This is my family thing. We just want to go shoot a meat buck, whatever it is. And I, and they have just as much right as I do, right? Mm-hmm. Talking about it. Um, but I would just, it would be nice to see both of those things happening. Yeah. And I, and I don't know if that's an impossible thing or what, what it is, but like, it'd be nice if both those could happen at the same time. Since we're talking about Colorado, we kind of moved over to Colorado deer specifically. April 4th. April 4th yeah. coming up. They're draw. Your deadline. Yeah. For all species. For all species. And um, if you want to buy, you want to get a point, that's also the time to get a point as well. Yeah, that's it. There's no point only purchase yep. time frame in the summer like there are in some other states. Yep. But what's your take, Brady? You've killed some big bucks in Colorado. You love Colorado. Love you, Colorado. You, you love hunting mule deer? Like love what's, mule what's deer. your your vibe with Colorado on mule deer? How are you feeling about it? I, I go back and forth. Again, these, like we just talked about, the season day things are kind of really concerning to me. Honestly, they are. It's something that kind of, you know, if I want to get deep and passionate about it, it's very concerning. Like if we have years, we have the perfect conditions, which we never know when that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Sometimes these late season hunts have been pretty hot and dry. But if we have the perfect conditions with these late season hunts, we have the potential to really nuke We just life. did this last year. This last year's conditions as far as second, third, uh, fourth season goes. I don't know if it gets any you know, any better. Yep. That was pretty incredible this year. Because for, for, for instance, right now, I got the dates pulled up because the regs came out. Second rifle dates, October mm-hmm. 28th to November 5th. Mm-hmm. You guys remember when second rifle used to be a lot earlier? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, third rifle, November 11th to the 17th. Mm-hmm. Fourth rifle, November 22nd to the 26th. Yeah. There's some... Uh, With increased tag quotas. And increased tag quotas at the same time. But the nice thing is about Colorado, though, there's a lot of options. Yeah. There's a ton of options. And I keep hearing a lot that, oh, you know, the whole resident, non-resident thing again, that residents can't get the tags they want to get. Well, it's like we're, you know, I'm a poster child for it. I go to Colorado every single year. Yeah. I don't chase points. I find hunts that get overlooked. I go there. Yeah, they're going to be tough. They're going to be tough for Tougher, sure. for sure. Because yeah. they're, you know, they're easy to draw for a reason, like mm-hmm. everyone will say. But I can go to Colorado have a dang good time, get away from people and still find some deer. And I'll still say that you could basically close your eyes, throw pins on a map and there could be a big giant deer that you never know in the state of Colorado. But with all the social stuff that's going on, CWD, you know, whacking out some bigger age class deer, you know, shooting more deer with more tags, these late season dates. Yeah. It's not going to, I don't think it's going to be what it used to be back in the heydays. And I'm talking about even recent heydays, like there was recently, like, you know, seven, five years ago, was really good in Colorado. Now it seems to be like turning yeah. down a little bit because it's definitely everything is going down. on. What I see happening with those increased tag quotas and those that, that late in the year is like, you know, those big old, you know, gnarly smart bucks, like they, they do what they do and they've kind of figured it out. What I've, what I've anecdotally here, you know, I'm, I'm, what the fuck do I know? I'm just kind of not a biologist, <laughs> but I'm jar. just speaking that swear jar. Sorry. It's going to get, you know, we're going to get into some passionate talk today. Um, I like those, those really well put together genetic bucks are, you know, first, second year of rut aren't, haven't really figured anything out. Those are the ones that are just getting waxed. So then you kind of fast forward through the years a little bit. And those, that, that age class isn't getting to, you know, six, seven, Mm -hmm. eight years old. That's, that's what Mm -hmm. I've anecdotally noticed. 
and this, is, you know, a, a nice solid buck, four point, maybe an inline, an extra, whatever it is at three, four years old, just getting whacked. And the thing I've noticed a lot too, and like you even glass private land, you're, mm-hmm. you're hunting those, you know, public, private little mm-hmm. areas. And you're like, I'm just going to glass them on private, see what's on there. You're not seeing the deer you used to see no. on private land during prime time. I'm not talking about glassing it during the middle of the day. It's stupid hot. Yeah, there might not be deer out there. Big bucks are smart. They're not going to go to the open even during the rut. But like, yeah. you're not seeing the numbers. No, my, go, my go-to strategy, we talked about this back in November. My go-to strategy is a couple days before the hunt opens for scouting. First day, I'm on. I'm glassing private. I just want. I want to see what yeah. age classes are running. Mm-hmm. What what kind of bucks have showed up? Is it is it that ultra mature? You know, are they pushing does around yet? What's going on? It kind of gives you the rut cycle. You know, insight into the rut cycle more than anything is just watching private land for those that first morning, first afternoon. And uh, yeah, you don't see the deer you used to at all. So, based on your observation, kind of the things I'm hearing you saying. Does that change your application strategy for Colorado? Are you still going to Colorado every single year? Or are you at a point where you're like, you know what? I probably would give up a hunt in Colorado every few years to potentially go hunt someplace else or some other species. I love when trail drops the heat. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I, I am still going to look at Colorado as a state that I just for late season specific, late season specific that I want to hunt every single year. Why? I just love the love, love the style, love the country, love the people there, love everything about it, love the, the deer, like the way the they late react. season winter grind too. That's, yeah, I do enjoy special. that part of it. And I think like I said, I do you know, I hunt those easy to draw you know, I'm not gonna deny it. I love the grind of going in there trying to find a big deer, trying to do something. Yeah, I, if I had four points, there'd be it'd open up a lot of doors from really cool units yeah. that have potential for bigger deer. But I love just being it. Knowing I can go in there, hunt deer, find quality deer, and do that every single year, that's pretty cool. Is your is your stoke level less? It's a little bit less. I will <laughs> say it's a little bit less. A little bit or a lot? A little bit. Not enough to affect your application. Not enough strategy. to affect it. No, I mean I'm still gonna you know try to try to get a tag in Colorado as best I can. That's what's great about Colorado. You know, I got the secondary draw. I have that whole leftover list program. Like I can. There is ways. Mm-hmm. To get a tag in Colorado, I don't just have to like, hey, I got you know zero to three points. I got to apply for these. Like, if I don't get a tag, I, there's other ways I can get a tag in Colorado. Yeah, you know, that is it, what's nice about Colorado. And even though people hate on, you can also you know pick up a landlord tag in Colorado. There's ways to get a tag and then have just a fun hunt. And like I look back at the, the history of Colorado, I don't know where you could pinpoint where mule deer originated, but my gosh, it's got to be Colorado. <laughs> Like you look at that place, they're, the mule deer are meant to freaking live I mean, the there. Rocky they're Mountain meant to mule deer, drive there. I think came from the Rocky Mountains. Yeah, like you um, just look at that place. It's like no matter where you go, yeah, like you can find deer in, in the state of Colorado, which I think is very cool. And like it's on residence, you can pick up tags. If you want to go muzzleloader, there's opens the big door. If you want to go archery, you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm more tradi- more switched over now to rifle, but like there's options for you. Second yeah. rifle, third rifle. My application rifle. changed. I'm yeah. only going early season high country. Yeah, yeah. see, might like, as well. I've, I just I have I haven't had good late season hunts in Colorado. Yeah. They just haven't been. They haven't been. In my it's, opinion, I look at them. I get excited for them every single year. I've gone out and I've hunted them. I just haven't seen and had the type of experience I ultimately hoped I would have. And I've kind of 
yeah, I'm kind of looking at something else. I mean, I would, I would, I'll, I'll apply and I may look at it if like there's an opening in my schedule that time of year where I could potentially squeeze in hunting, especially for my kids. I think it's great for your kids. If you got kids that can go hunting, but, um, you know, I, I don't know. It's kind of changed. Yeah. Kind of changed a little bit for me. I entirely agree. I'm in the same boat. You've been hunting. So I've been hunting with my wife and kid too. So mm-hmm. I've been doing like the ultra general been chasing, you know, good hunts for myself and friends and buddies who have a bunch of ta- a bunch of points chasing a good tag like the last 5 years specifically I've been hunting both like the ultra general just easy tags and the high end whether it be, you know, a bunch of points mm-hmm. myself, friends, whatever it is. And yeah, I just I have not had I've slowly seen those late hunts degrade to a point where it's just like not what I'm expecting. I'm not Right. I've said it a bunch of times before success is loving it enough to want to do it again. Mm. And those hunts just haven't been that successful. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I've like, my mentality is completely switched on Colorado and I'm high country archery from me from here on out. I think, let me, let me go back, Brady. So you had a deer tag this year in Colorado. Yeah. Tough hunt. Oh, it was a grinder, a grinder, right? Like the point, that's the point where you're like questioning yourself, like, kind of what are you doing you know what are you yeah. doing out here like it's a week away from you know you're taking burning vacation time not seeing the quality deer anymore that you want mm-hmm. and just not seeing the bucks you should be seeing yep and in all honesty and he had a good storm on top of it like it was good weather the year prior to that you went yep and you had a pretty decent hunt, pretty right? decent hunt you yeah. hunted with scott right yep hunted with scott. you killed a 170 ish buck yep. maybe yep was that the type of hunt that you like, are you happy with that hunt? Like when you, when you came home from that hunt, were you satisfied with that experience to the point where you would go, you know, you would go back. I'm just, I'm trying to gauge, I'm trying to, I'm pushing you a little bit. I'm I trying know. to gauge at what point you decide it's not worth it. I got to do not, something. I got to do something else. I either yeah, got to look yeah. at like an early season muzzleloader hunt or get to or, that four point level or I got to get to that four point yeah. level to draw a unit for the type of bug that you're potentially. Exactly. For. Yep. So it's tough. I love, I love hunting. I love chasing mule deer every year. But hunts like that, like killing a 170 inch deer for a lot of people, yeah, it's going to be great. But it's like, I do want something bigger still. And I did not see anything bigger on that hunt with Scott. And I killed the biggest deer I saw the whole week. Mm-hmm. And I know that area has some bigger deer. You know, that there wasn't a lot of snow that year, which hurt mm-hmm. for sure. I was hunting different style. We were, you know, running around on side by sides and parking and going on some big walks and glassing. If I did it again, would I do that same technique? Maybe not. On the unit again, because I burned some points for that one, I might, you know, get a little deeper in there because I people hate me for it, but I want to go higher. I want to see what's up there. <laughs> see one, one that one that thick crap. Brady, you know Brady's going high. And, yeah. and, and dig and dig a buck out. I want to dig him out of that country that no one knows about. That buck just lives there. He has his one or three does that he likes to hang out with, and that's it. But I didn't see the quality. Yeah. So it hurt, you know. And then going in this year again, did an, another second season hunt. And it was horrible. Yep. So that right there does make me concerned about what do I do this year? Because (laughs) I had such a horrible experience last year. Now I'm trying to figure out, like I said, do I wait for some of these secondary draws? Do I wait till somebody's turn back tags and try to get a better tag in my Mm -hmm. strategy? But again, though, I look at this as if I was going to do this hunt or a hunt in another state during the same time frame, I'm not going to point states again. But I'm just going to keep it with Colorado. But like this Colorado hunt is going to be better than some of these other states. Has it? Has the potential for the bigger deer than yeah. than going on? You know that the family hunt I take in Montana, Montana every year. I'll say yeah. Montana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like 
the Colorado is definitely going to have the potential for some bigger deer. For sure. Sure, someone's going to say there's a lot of giant deer in Montana. I get that. I know. I've seen giant deer on private land. I know some of the big mountains have some big deer. But on average, talk about straight average. Yeah, straight, straight numbers, averages for sure. And Colorado. you can't just say, yeah. you know, Boone and Crockett numbers or whatever because they're giant, giant deer when they get to Boone and Crockett size glass. But like Colorado has that potential to kick out something. And I want that. For sure. In the back of my mind, I want knowing that every day I could finally find that deer. But yeah. they're becoming less and less. Yeah. So this goes back to the the quintessential debate when it when it comes to Colorado and mule deer specifically when they decided to up the number of permits and go to the system that they've gone to. You've got those late season dates. You got the yeah. higher number of permits. The debate, quintessential debate in Colorado: Are those bigger bucks actually there, and you're not finding them, or yeah. are we at a point where there just aren't those big bucks? I think we're getting to the point where there just aren't those big bucks. That's what I think. We honestly are. Yeah. <laughs> my, look, my best friend on planet Earth is a is a outfitter in Colorado. Lives there. Lives there year round. Goes and, and hunts cats in the on the winter ranges. Does he, I mean he's there all the time. He says he just he doesn't see the deer that he used to hmm. on in the bottoms during the yeah. wintertime where they're out chasing cats or out you know doing whatever they're doing. You know he's a farmer rancher as well. They just they don't see the deer that they used to. So I I think it's too that point i should say that this is relative also because i mean i think if you live in these units you live close to them you've got day in and day out in the summer to scout spend all your time you've got the full hunt off and maybe you've got five or six days even prior to yeah. your hunt and you could you could just be in any unit grinding out looking for a big buck i think there's there's some big bucks in colorado of right? course yeah there are but for the you know for the guy like myself so I'm not, I'm not running out there. I'm not scouting for, you know, mm-hmm. a hunt that I drew with one point. I'm just going to show up maybe a day before I'm going to set up camp. I may do some backpack. I'm going to hunt. I just, for that type of guy, I think there are definitely less big bucks on the landscape yeah, like, available. Even for example, last year, like sitting there glassing some of the terrain I was glassing, it almost, you know, it's surprising. Maybe it's like two picture perfect, but like there is, like I'm the only person out here. I know yeah. because it was snow. I could see tracks. No one else was going out there and glassing it. And then waking up in the morning, super excited, and you look out and you see three does and a fork and horn. Mm-hmm. And that fork and horn is dogging those does. I'm yeah, like, where is his? Where is his you know, older uncle? That's somewhere else. Yeah. And you think like, okay, this, this can be take some time. You know, I'm gonna check these does later in the hunt. Maybe move around a little bit. You check those does later. Oh, now it's a three point that is yeah. six inches bigger than that two point. <laughs> yeah. Just looking at them, and it's like you're not seeing them anymore. You're mm-hmm. just not. You do. And try to get away from people. You try to hunt closer to roads. Like, yeah, I'm not going to throw all my eggs in one basket and just go stupid deep. Yeah. I will check out other places too, but you're not seeing them. You're just not. Yeah. And then you talk to locals. Like I talked to a local last year. They hadn't seen a deer over, you know, 160. Mm-hmm. I saw a giant three-point last year. He was cool. People said he should have shot him, but it's like, it's just a three-point. It's just a 150-inch three-point. Yeah, he's like mass, but threes. like. Yeah. Big threes are cool. Depends on the back. Was he back fork three or front fork three? Oh, that's three? a good point. No, he was a, the, the front fork three. So he's on a reverse. Yeah. Well, so no the G, reverse three points no I love. We have, we have muley forks and then he's got just a B. Wait, what, what What three point do you like? I like the whitetail three points. I, I, I like the G2, like the, no like G3, G4. I like a front fork three. Yeah. I know. Big old. You like, oh, the, white, you like, the, white, you like the whitetail three points. Yeah, I like yeah, the whitetail three points. I don't. The opposite, I think, is one of the most 
unattractive mule deer yeah, on the yeah. planet. I agree. Just straight totally main agree. beams and yeah. back forks. With the big old back fork and straight main beams. Oh, that's a hard pass. I, in my mind, I don't like that I'm shooting something that's like maybe a hybrid or something just genetically <laughs> inferior. A purist. He'd have to be tremendously large for me to shoot that I one. love a the, back white, fork the white three. point three, the white tail three. Yeah, I, I don't like those. Hey, Brady, this will blow your mind right here. I, Cody I saw pulled that. It up. But that's just like... Some guy, I can't pronounce his name, spotted the first mule deer with mule... First deer with black tails. Drew, on, Drew, Drew Lillard? Is that the last The 5th of Drew September, Lillard. 1804. The cliffs upstream from the mouth of the Niobrara River in northeast Nebraska. Sorry if I murdered that. You got to hunt mule deer in Nebraska. That's where they were discovered. They, it doesn't... Doesn't mean they originated That doesn't from mean there. they that's originated. Where they were, that's where they were discovered. We're first and then seen. Lewis of, I would imagine that's from Lewis and Clark, huh? Yep. Uh, by May 10th, 1805, had seen enough of the specimens to write an 800-word click, description. Click down, can you click down below where it says, where did mule deer evolve? <laughs> okay, North America. That's <laughs> that's not narrowing it down. <laughs> Come right. on, Google. You got to go to Nebraska. That's your next spot. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, any, I mean, it's just Colorado's yeah. done enough to switch my mentality. But where else would you do? Besides White tail, uh, honestly, Ooh. like I, I'm just being honest. I, I'm into, like I, we're talking about with mm-hmm. Odd Dad, I'm into new species, I'm into new shit. I am not a whitetail hunter. Um, you know, I've watched quite a bit of, of whitetail. I like this spot and stock kind of, I don't know, there's there's some guys out there doing some pretty badass spot and stock style mm-hmm. whitetail bow hunting, and it looks awesome. Yeah, and that's that's what I want to get into. Like, it's really piqued my interest. Kind of spot and stock tree saddle setup, or spot and stock on a decoy. You know, get in close, set up a decoy, start grunting, rattling, get them into coming, get them to come into the decoy. I've seen some videos out there floating on YouTube. I am like, it's got my interest for sure. Yeah, maybe this will put it into perspective on where I'm at. I would rather go to like Kansas or you know someplace like that and shoot a hundred and thirty inch whitetail. Yeah. Than I would 160, 170 inch mule deer in Colorado on a yeah, second, yeah. third season could, hunt. That's, that. that's that's where I'm. I'm at. in the same boat as Trail, and so, it, like just the style. Have you seen this stuff that I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. Tree saddle, move, yeah, crawling in, stock, yeah. crawling in, getting De- in close, decoy. setting up mm-hmm. decoy. God, it looks awesome. So yep. it's going to make you guys excited about this because you know I'm a big elk guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I say that with the biggest sarcasm. You're the elk guy. You're, keep yeah. going. you're the elk guy. So I was talking to a Ryan Lampers yesterday. Mm-hmm. And him and I were just having a random conversation, you know, talking about just BSing, catching up. Got to talking about deer, got to talking about elk. And he knows I have a metric shit ton of elk points. He wants yes. it on your elk points. No, no, <laughs> he, did, he did. I didn't want to poach any elk points. But it's like, this is why kind of my strategy up until this point is kind of starting to pay off because I don't care about elk at all. You guys save them big Until up, this I don't year. Care. I don't care. But since I have so many points, so I have the ability right now to draw some bomber tags yeah, yeah for sure. and eventually we'll dra- draw some bomber tags because i haven't cared about elk enough to actually ever burn them so i have you know creeping on mid-teens points for every single western state so because of this like we're talking about now like you know deer numbers aren't where i want it to be i want to chase the biggest oldest deer in some of these states so it might be time I'm not saying i will yet i still have a lot of time left in this app season to maybe start knocking off one elk hunt a year in some of these big guy turned areas. into an elk guy real quick that's just it. because went on because one mule deer sabbatical that turned into an elk hunt, and now he's now he's the elk Jesus. And because it's just like you know, maybe I just let him rest for a while. But it's like, what is me just letting him rest compared to yeah. what everyone else is still hunting him? So it's not going to just change it. But I might have a better, more quality hunt 
in a sense, like I said, the Colorado thing. So maybe I don't do a Colorado hunt. Maybe I try to burn one of these late rifle hunts. I'm only going to look at the late rifle. I'm not going to be the guy burning archery points. I could draw some archery tags right now and then bomb units in a lot of states. But I'm just going to go late rifle. And then that would then, you know, creep on those mule deer dates. So I could, if I draw one of these, I'm not going to be able to go on the mule deer hunt I want to do. So it's like a thought I have to start doing because I also want to reset those points too. I have yeah. so many elk points. It'd be nice to reset those, go back down. So I'm not caught in the position my dad is where he's not going to catch anything. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, he's got many so many points. He can draw anything on the planet and waste a bunch, but I'll yep. never catch the top. But I want to be able to reset that, start over or reset that in state like, you know, yeah. Nevada and then wait my, you know, my wait period. And then get back in the game. I'm still again. in my wait period in Nevada. It's so frustrating. You, you know, late season elk, you can you can hunt it just like mule there. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's the same me. damn country. Yeah. You know, hey, and, not not and, exactly the same. It might I, even be worse. It might be rougher. And again, yeah, that's totally. true. I mean, it might be rougher. And they're find, not noisy frat boys that time. To, You're to, just bugling their no. brains out. Yeah, that's like, right. That's the, find, the mountains are peaceful again. To find an older age class. You're the only guy that doesn't like the elk bugle. By the way, I love the elk bugle. I mean, I'm not an elk guy. sounding. It's awesome. In as good as it gets because you need that to be able to kill him i mean it's <laughs> handy but it's just right? nice yeah sends sends chills up your spine oh it's you know? awesome i love it especially when they're in tight like that but i'm i mean what i'm saying is you know you get november rifle elk yeah, yeah. it's the same challenge i mean it might even be more challenging and again rougher country anecdotally coming from me what i've seen on colorado elk why i'm out there chasing mule there they seem to be pretty damn good like like real good yeah I mean, that's, I don't know your take trail, but like, yeah. it's, it's been, I mean, it's been impressive. I haven't had a tag cause I've always been so focused on mule deer and I don't like anything kind of, you know, throwing us off of the main goal at hand, but like just seeing what I'm seeing while we're out there chasing deer, I am pretty impressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think your chances of shooting a, you know, a 310 inch mm-hmm. bull are better than your chances of shooting a 180 inch buck. I would you know, agree. You know, hundred, even probably even 170 inch buck to be honest. I agree. I'm, totally agree. And if, and if you listen to, uh, you know, what we had Derek Wolf on, mm-hmm. it's way more cool to shoot an elk than it's a sack Tom Brady. So. <laughs> <laughs> way more bigger drilling rush. Oh, so nice to be validated from a yeah. guy with that level of experience in yeah. his life. So I think that's what you should look at. I know. It's I a lot. Of, I think we just switched your mind right here. This just is a lot of stuff that keeps point. me. This is a lot of stuff that keeps me up at night. You know, and I always. I just don't know what to do. And it's like, well, you're a loyal guy too. Yeah. And I, I like see you not wanting to break the loyalty that you have to mule deer. Mm-hmm. Might have to. I got, yeah, like I said, I got a tracker now killing bulls. Like, <laughs> yeah. They're not big bulls by any means. Hey. I'm not the guy coming out there killing anything big, but I'm killing bulls. Yeah. yeah. And it's go. like, I just think up, think at night all the time, like what to do. And then I look back at all the stuff, like when I talk about that snowpack articles, looking at it, like, looking at what the potential for winter kill. And even though looking at snow water equivalent maps isn't a end all be all situation when it comes to winter kill. When I start comparing the winter we're having right now in some of these places, like you look at Northern Utah, compare it 2023 compared to 2017. Yeah. We're creeping on those same years where people are like it's doom and gloom. These things are dying. And I look at, you know, parts of Wyoming, we're not at that same point of 2017 yet, but we're dang close to getting there. We're just looking at snow water equivalent maps. Again, that's not a set in stone. We get to a certain point of a, you know, these big percentages that things are going to die. But it's also like, what do I do? And if I don't burn them this year, they're going to, all those other deer are going to be dead as well. Like, yeah, mature deer might make it, but those fawns, those younger age class animals are not going to make it through some of these hard winters. And then we're going to go back in the cycle where it's going to be another, you know, three, four years for the yeah. deer number Trail, three. What are, you, are you hearing anything on winter kill yeah. on your network? What are you hearing? Yep. So, I mean, this is some of it's just anecdotal because I I haven't I don't have hard and fast 
yeah. know, facts and figures. I, I heard rumor, I talked to a guy yesterday that said potentially like even like Southwest Wyoming, like region K yeah. potential for like 40, 50% fawn loss. Ooh. And that's in K, which typically has got a lot more sagebrush low, you know, mm-hmm. winter range. I would think region G and H will probably see that much or more potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in Logan, which is Northern Utah. I drove the length of the state over the weekend and I mean, Northern Utah, Cache Valley, there's hardly any vegetation. There's, there's almost no, you know, browse, if mm-hmm. you will, like sage, anything, anything like that that's above snow line. So a lot of those deer are just primarily hitting browse. I mean, they're eating willows, trees, birch, those kind of things. And <clears throat> I took a drive up uh, Blacksmith Fork Canyon, which you got Hardware Ranch, which is kind of the, the, the division's ranch where they feed some elk. They do, you know, wagon rides and whatnot. They feed elk typically there and also along that Millville face, um, like adjacent to Blacksmith Fork Canyon. And a lot of the elk right down to the, the high fence. I mean, you could see them from the highway. There are people driving up and down the highway looking at elk. Um, you know, deer, same thing down low. I would... I would suspect, you know, based on what snow conditions look like from probably middle of the state, Utah, all the way to northern Utah, and then, like I said, into Wyoming, I think mm-hmm. you're going to see loss. And like I said, primarily it's going to be in your fawn and, you know, your older age class does and maybe some of your, you know, older bucks that just body condition isn't body quite there. yeah. Yeah, and it's like you're saying, I mean, the hard part about winter kill with deer is that when you lose that fawn crop, which is, you know, susceptible to, to winter kill. They're just not as big and strong. They can't dig down as deep yeah. to get to that vegetation. There's, they're using more energy. Um, you've got like maybe a four-year gap post-winter kill when that fawn that should have made it through will Did not, it. yeah, didn't yeah. and won't make four years old, you know. So for those regions like G, H, you know, K, you're going to have a missing age class there for, for a few years. So yeah. it, it's tough. And it hurts me too. Like, so they have the hard winter to go through. Yeah. They, maybe they'll survive, but like now we have, you know, migration corridors being impacted by human encroachment all the time, highways, a, roads, yeah. all that stuff. So yeah, the fawn might make it. And now, now that little fawn has to travel to a summer range to try to survive. Yeah. And like, are they going to get nuked there? Like there's so many factors right now that are impacting mule deer, especially some of these mule deer that do these long migrations. Like I, check out migration things all the time, reading biology reports and reading, you know, books about this. And it's like, you can't, you can't put your finger on exactly how it's going to turn out because you hope it turns out for the better, but just looking at what we're at right now compared to some of these other winter kill years. And that's why, you know, looking at some of these USDA websites where I can take, you know, this time period in February, 2023, compared to 2017, compared to some of those previous years, like you can start comparing and seeing how those, you know, reacted mm-hmm. and then even start looking at what does post harvest success look like after you winter kill? Like you can start to get a lot of trends. What on. are you finding? What are you seeing? Sometimes harvest success after it is still okay, but it's like, you never know what age class those animals are, are harvesting. Yeah. So that's, what's hard. You don't know if they're shooting the you know four pointer better or if they're shooting anything, yeah. but you know, there is some places, you know, Idaho and Wyoming where you do see a little bit of decrease, but I don't know if you can put an exact number on it because I don't think this is exactly you know, I don't want to say science, but like, it's hard to know what people are harvesting unless you could get a bigger picture of. Yeah. Are you a science denier? <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm going to say like in this, in this case, it's like, yeah. Cause you don't know when the harvest success could Flat be great, earth but earth. I don't know if they're Flat shooting. Flat earth or science <laughs> denier. Yeah. I don't know if they're shooting fork and horns or if they're actually shooting. No, mature, I know what you yeah. mature deer. And, 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 and two is the harvest success lower because these people aren't willing to shoot that lower age cast deer and they're looking for the giant because they might've burned 10 points on region G right. in Wyoming. That's so they're looking for the, says. So it's like, so you don't know exactly what's going on. And that's why I think you have to take in so many different tools mm-hmm. 
when you're looking at this, you can't just point it to, okay, snow water equivalent map or a snow depth map or, you know, a drought map and then harvest success. Like there's a lot of things you have to look at and then you have to look at the migration corridors. Yeah. You have to look at human encroachment. You have to look at all the people who are recreating on the landscape during the winter range. Cause they ain't just the shed hunters out there, even though we all like to make fun of shed hunters sometimes, but like, should we get into shed hunting? Sometimes. Yeah, well, yeah. I'd love to get into that. But it's <laughs> like, there's so many factors. You got motorcyclists driving around, you got ATV riders who are, you know, yeah. doing that stuff. And it's like, there's a lot of things that are impacting our mule deer herds. Yeah. I mean, that's what my gut, my gut tells me on a year like this specifically really targeted at those areas talking, you know, Western Wyoming, Idaho, you know, GH kind of the historical, you know, big buck. This is where yeah. you want to be, right? I would say this year, if you got the points to do it, it'd be a decent year. It'd be a good year to burn your points. Otherwise, you know, you're, you're probably going to be waiting. I, personally, I would wait probably another three or four years potentially to want to draw that tag again because yep. that's the time it's going to take. And then you got to hope that between now and then, Doesn't if you don't any. burn your points, that you don't have another winter like this. You yeah. Know? yeah. So if you, that's why I really like that article I just published and people want to read it. It's like why drought slash snowpack maps are important to hunters. The last big winter kill everyone talked about was 2017, the 2016, yeah. 2017 winter kill. And then now it's, you know, 2020 two slash 2023. Yeah. So there was that gap in there. There was enough of the gap. And if you look back again, it was like a, there's a bigger gap, but like the, the gap is a little tighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if a guy's going to wait that four years, is everyone else waiting too? Now yeah. you're going to have that point creep. Everyone's going to be burning it because they realize that, well, I can't go two years after a winter kill. I have to wait four years. Yeah. And then we're not even talking about predators yet too. Like we can, you can throw predators on top, coyotes, mountain lions, all sorts of other stuff that's on top of all this during a heavy winter, winter kill year. Yeah. Where are all those predators at? They're going to be down with yeah. the deer wintering. Let me ask you guys an interesting question that I, I, I find interesting. At least it's, it's a two-sided thing, right? Like we always talk about how the drought just ruins hunts and ruins animals and all this stuff. But then we turn around and talk about winter kill immediately after. Yeah. It's, it's combo. Like, it, right? Like, yep. I mean, if the world was perfect, yeah, you'd have a half inch of rain every single day for yeah, the I mean, entirety of summer. But yeah, you're right. It's like, it's just, it's not the way things work. But if we've been in such a horrible drought. Mm-hmm. where we're having to fly with helicopters, water into some of these drinkers and, you know, some of the more arid places and things like that. Like, I mean, there's a give and take here. What's what's better or worse than the other? Yeah, it's uh, it's combo. And I would say the last several years has been one of the worst, um, kind of the worst conditions all around for mule deer. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. I, we have the Kings guys in here today, Kings Camo, and we were just talking to them. They live in northern Utah. And you know, I was, I was telling them, you know, it'd be great if we could just get three or four winters when, you know, snowpack was 110% or 125% or a hundred percent of annual priest, you know, annual. Yeah. Right. And then we could get some spring rains, some summer monsoons. The world is perfect. And, man. and, and we could grow <laughs> some deer, but what yeah. we've had is we've had a hard winter, 16, 17. We've had significant years of heavy drought, heavy which is hard drought. on summer rains. They're not putting on, Body yeah. fat to They're not survive the winter. Yeah. And then we've come into this year where we've had another bad winter. So it's been, man, it's, it's mean, it's mean in the streets for mule deer right mm-hmm. now. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, it's, it's tough. It's hard, but it's not all doom and gloom. I mean, it's not all doom and gloom. Like, I mean, sometimes we paint a picture that it might be, but it's like, there's still animals in the landscape. No, I, and well, I find a lot hardy. of, I find a lot of positivity in a year like this. I mean, well, I mean the Southern half of the, U- I mean, I live in Utah. I, I 
southern half of the state, mid to the southern half of the state, oh, yeah. it's going to be a banner year. Yep. Oh, I mean, we, we needed that moisture. We still have I mean, a lot of You're looking at 216%, 153%, 196% on the, on the east side of the state. Holy shit. Yeah, I mean, look at the Pine Valley at 222%, oh. which we still have a lot of winter range down there. I mean, we've had, we had probably an inch last night in Cedar. Yeah. Night, night before last, most of it melted off. I mean, as I drove down I-15, there's still a lot of sagebrush and bitterbrush that's yeah. above snow line. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we're going to have a bang up year in Southern yeah. Utah. And you look at you look at the Mormons in Nevada too, 334%. Yeah, I mean, how great is this for Nevada? Ooh. Yeah. Phenomenal. I mean, especially especially there. Right? Arizona. Like that phenomenal. Arizona. I was New Mexico. Just, I was just heavily into hunting yeah. in Arizona. I was blown away with the amount of water rolling down standing the mountain water, as in yeah. streams and standing water. And then we got two and a half inches of snow at my camp on, what was that, February 26th, 27th? Yeah. Two and a half inches of snow. When you look at uh, right there by Flagstaff, just south of Flagstaff, Arizona, 353%. I mean, that's... Yeah, I mean, look at Nevada there, three hundred and thirty-four percent, and the Mormons too. That's, I mean, that's a that's an area that really needed it. And then you look at central of the state, two hundred fifteen percent. I yeah. mean, so it's great now. Now we got the water, and we're going to potentially have the habitat going into the summer. We're well, it's not just water too; it's the snowpack water. Yep. Like this is snow settling, you know, slow melting snow, which is as good as it gets for the desert. Mm-hmm. So yeah, some of these desert units could be phenomenal. So that's it. I mean, it's all relative, right? It is. You just got to change your perspective on on where you're potentially looking at tags. Exactly. And, and I, I find strategy. a lot of joy in finally getting some some water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it could be the deal. other strategy too. Like some guys might be like, hey, I am not going to burn my points because it potentially could be winter kill. Yeah. Well, those guys that do burn their points, yeah, yeah. it might be a great opportunity to get out there. And some of these other guys who might just be getting after it aren't going to be out there in the field. And you could have maybe not less competition because those tags always get sold. But you know, you could have a wish big, my home state year. would give me a tag this year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've got some points in Nevada I could burn. It's only been eight years since I've had a tag in my home state for years. <laughs> yeah, I really wish I could get one this year. Yeah, so this uh, this article that you've written, what more have you learned? Is there more in in that that you want to talk that we want to talk about? And oh, there's a, there's a ton in there, and I think I think the most the biggest thing is the combination of looking at both drought maps. Mm-hmm. And snowpack slash snow water equivalent maps at the same time. They go hand in hand together because you can't look at one without looking at the other because some of these states are still going into, you know, some drought. There's still is drought in certain areas. But the biggest thing is too looking at these maps during certain times of year as well, because okay, yeah, we can look at summer, we're gonna look at snowpack right now. What about looking at some snow water equivalent maps in the summer? Because we want that feed to be really great. Mm-hmm. And or what what all of a sudden a drought comes up in the summer? or we have that heavy snowpack and these deer can't get up to um, their summer range until a yeah. certain time of year. So it also could impact where the animals are going to be at during your hunting season. For sure. I so remember, like there's a lot of other considerations you have to throw in here besides for just, hey, deer are going to be dead or antler growth might not be great because it could be a drought in some area. Yeah. Like there's a lot of different considerations I'm trying to, to, how to look I'm at trying to remember data. when I hunted uh, high country with Brandon. High country, when I had an elk tag, he had a deer tag. Um trying to remember when that was, but they had a ton of late season snow and the snowpack stuck forever. And mm-hmm. those deer did, they just did not make it back up to mm-hmm. the true high country bulls. And that was a, that was a first year I had hunted Colorado like that. Um, you know, chasing deer. He had the deer tag, obviously, like I said, but I mean, that's the first time I had like had that experience in Colorado. That was an interesting thing when that snowpack hung around and those deer just didn't quite make it all the way mm-hmm. back up to the tops. I mean, they don't start till September, their yeah. archery seasons, right? And like yep. those deer had not made it to the tops. Yep. Yep. And, and I look at it too, like, okay, we have some high amounts of snowpack in certain areas. Well, that's going to be great if you're a high country archery hunter 
yeah. and you're hunting some of these states that don't have a lot of water, where there could be a little snow drift that's still going to last up there in the north facing Ooh. slope. Now it's going to open that door for you to get a bunch of water up there to stay up there and comp- and hunt yeah, those exploit, animals a lot easier. an area that you may not have been able to. Yeah, yeah so there's sure. a lot of different considerations, and that's why I didn't want to dive into like exactly all my opinions on this article because, again, they're going to be opinions. Mm-hmm. But, again, I just try to help people to want to think outside the box. Yeah, look a at bit. it a different way. Look at it a different sure. way. Look at it between a whole, look at it between a Western look, analyze all that. You look at some of the other states like Montana, you know, Oregon. Some of those states are just, yeah. they're average right now. They're not experiencing it. And so you might be like, why is everyone all talking about, you know, Utah, the shed band and all this stuff? We're like, my area is great. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, your area could be great. But again, you got to look at yeah. the big picture where other things are at. And that's why it could determine Maybe it's time of year to burn your points in Oregon. Go hunt yeah. Oregon deer. That's the beauty Go of the Montana. Curse of, that's I, the beauty of the curse of hunting as a whole. Is like it, there is so many different ways to do it, and it's all personal, right? So like mm-hmm. everyone's opinion is super valid, right? Like one yeah. person doesn't. There's no chance some one person knows the best way to do everything. It's all completely personal decision and personal choice. But like you said, you know these different conditions and different things that are happening from year to year. There's just different ways to look at it. Like you know snowpack hanging around on a on a north side of a shale cliff and actually you can backpack on it now you yeah. can yep. stay up there you and can get into those other bowls you don't have to go down into the bottoms for water and going in like the summer we could have a lot of good vegetation growing yeah. out there so those deer are going to ride the green wave you know yeah. as they go up and it's going to be like could put on some giant racks that do, that do survive like yeah it's gonna be great for the does great for the fawns everything's gonna get good body fat percentage before yeah. they go into the fall but then the people that hate that are gonna say the opposite right yeah, yeah. Uh, you've uh, you've mentioned a couple times shed ban, and it's not completely off topic because I think it yields itself to the conversation about winter kill and mortality yeah, yeah. and the reason Utah created a shed. Oh season, gosh, did you guys did you, you guys will. read the UDWR Instagram comment thread? Oh, it was my favorite. I laid there one night just reading just comments, burned so many hours, three of my hours. Life. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, I'm off social for a reason. It was <laughs> it was it was pretty good. It but the thing good, is, though, good reading. There's, there's valid points everyone gives, all right? For sure. But the big thing to me is we just have to realize that you can't hunt dead deer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for the betterment of wildlife, wouldn't it make sense if we, in the, I, the problem that they come into all the time is they're only pinpointing shed hunters. They're not limiting the mom and pa taking their 15 dogs out on a hike. Yeah. They're pu- pushing deer around. The guys who are driving their, their dirt bikes and motorcycles or whatever it might be in the mountains. But the state can only control what they can only control. And that's, you know, they control the wildlife. So they can put a shed ban in place. So yes, it's just alienating you shed hunters from doing this. But the same people don't realize the same thing happened in 2017. This is not a new thing. In 2017, they first did it for, I think it was 11 counties. And then they decided we should, we should close the whole state down because people were just going to southern Utah then. Yeah. It's like, can we all just give wildlife a little break? And I know you're biting at the bit to go out there. I get that. I get that this maybe this is your funnest time of year. But can we just wait a little bit? And I know those other people are recreating on there. And I know that sucks. But maybe we can all get together at more education. Yes, it's going to take the state a lot more money or maybe a lot more of these like, you know, organizations. Here's the problem with education, though. Here's the problem with well, education. Well, they already have education. I mean, if you want to go shed hunting in Utah, you have to take a shed hunter's no, but I'm, not, I'm, not, course. I'm not talking about educating the hunters. I'm talking about education, ed- educating the non-hunting public yeah. at these trailheads. And that's where I think some of the stuff maybe needs to be focused on more. Maybe we get some more commercials out there. People don't watch TV anymore, but maybe we get some on streaming apps or on YouTube yeah. or here's billboards the, here's or the newspapers problem. to like educate, hey, you general public, 
maybe you shouldn't go freaking recreating right now because it's such a severe winter. We know you want to go hiking. We know you want to do cross country skiing. We know you want to snowshoe, but hey, you're snowshoeing in those winter range and you as well could impact these wildlife that I'm sure you still love, even though you don't hunt them. Yeah. But it's like in that way, maybe some shed hunters could get more on board because they're feeling like they're just being shafted because they can't do it, but everyone else can go out there and do it. And then they have all these other hunts on top of it. You still have mountain lion hunts. Here's the problem with education as a whole though. I'm not, I'm not talking hunting. I'm not, I'm talking to education from the most like 30,000 foot level possible, right? The problem with education is it, it takes energy and time and dedication from the individual to actually be educated, right? So yeah. like that's, a, and if somebody doesn't want to be educated, it's very easy to just turn a blind eye and go the other way and like, hey, you're not out anything, your life doesn't change. Like you have your other shit to worry about, right? Taking kids to, to school and basketball practice and you know, whatever else you got going on in life, going to work, you got, you know, bunch of other stuff going on in the world. That's like just consuming your mind all the time. So the problem with education is like, yeah, we want people to be educated on like, we want all recreationists to be educated on what their impact is on the outdoors, on these wild animals, all these things. But it takes the individual to sit down, spend the time and energy, actually like have it connect in their head of why it matters, what it is that we are trying to change or protect or whatever it is like they have to have that connection in their mind it takes so much time and energy and understanding from the individual itself to like actually get into that that's the problem with education so like yeah i agree it's an education thing right to all recreationists all recreationists it's it takes hard time and energy but like if they don't care then they don't care right like if you're a side-by-side driver and you're tearing up blm country and all that stuff look you have just as much right out there as i do on public land to do what you want follow the rules, you know, yeah, don't break the road, rules. I got rules to follow as a hunter. You got rules to follow as an off-roader, but like you don't do what I do and I don't do what you do. We both don't have any more, you know, right to be out there over yeah. each other. But like, we do have to understand what each of us are like trying to protect and those things. It just takes the individual's time and energy to, to sit down and have it connect. I, uh, I understand. Like I, I get the shed hunters feel. I mean, if you let, if you read through the press release, I, th- I think the word that the state I want to say that a major impact to you know mule deer and elk mm-hmm. herds, and it was you know directly targeted at shed hunters, and you know the the argument like as you as you read through the comments, there's so many people that are you know saying just like you are. There's people that are out there recreating, they're cross country skiing, they're hiking. Yeah. I don't, this is just, I'm going to, I'm just going to say this is probably controversial. I'm going to piss off. I, some hope of my get controversial. I hope you're doing what you're going to do. Let's, Let's get controversial probably, here. I don't know. I mean, I'll probably piss off some of my shed hunting buddies, but here's the thing. Most people that are out recreating, they're hiking a trail. Yep. They're not hiking a South facing slope at 9,000 feet and just yep. gridding the shit out of that thing, looking for an elk horn. Correct. Uh, you know, people that are out, you know, cross country skiing, same thing. They're mostly sticking to two track roads, mm-hmm. you know, trails. I don't think that's an apples areas. to apples comparison. No, I don't think shed hunters, I do think shed hunters have a greater impact on do. disturbance of wildlife during well, they that are time actually frame. on the wintering ground. Yeah. And they're searching the winter. I mean, they're going through the brush. If they're any yeah. good, they are right. Yeah. Like if they're good at it. Right. I mean, they're out there cross country yeah. travel, hiking, you're hitting all those pockets where you would anticipate finding a shed, which is where the yeah. animals is. So disproportionately, I do think shed hunters have a greater impact than your day-to-day recreation yeah. 
you know, you can't. Ar- I, I personally think you can't argue that, right? Like, yeah, I, I don't think you can argue that. That's my opinion. But that's one thing I've heard people say. Shed hunters mostly. Hey, we're pissed off because why doesn't everybody else have to, you know, yeah. quit doing which, what they're doing? Which I, I get. If yeah. somebody told me as a hunter, everyone else can go into that place, but you can't because you're yeah, hunting, I would, I would be pissed. Yeah, be like, well, they're back. I I understand where they're coming from, for sure. I I, I get. You know, being feeling like you're shafted and everybody else yep. gets to do what they want, but you don't get to do what yeah. you want. And then, However, what you are doing is directly, directly. tied to the animal. That resource. And if, and if to I, the resource that we are trying to protect. <laughs> Everyone else out there is not, right? Like, yeah. you ride a dirt bike, you're on a road or a trail, right? Like, yeah, it's noisy, it's all this shit, but you're not, like, you're not pushing them out of beds, you're not, like, jumping them out of areas, you're not going through their brows and you know, sent everywhere when they're already stressed out, all that stuff. You're not like actually on the ground that they're on. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's, it it is, I don't see how you could argue that one, that they're apples to apples. And the the crazy thing to me is the people that complain today are the same people that are going to complain in the fall when they're not seeing big deer or (laughs) deer. They, they literally will. It goes back, it goes back to like, they'll always say like, Hey, X state is terrible at management. They need to do something to fix this problem. State does something. They put a little ban the in place. The terrible. The state's terrible. They're <laughs> wrecking everything. They They're this. doing everything horrible. They're not thinking about wildlife. Yeah. They're thinking about blah, blah, blah. It's like you can't win. Yeah. Like sometimes. I said, like I said I'm, off, I'm off social, but I do go through go hunts every now and again just to stay up to date. And I wish I could remember this guy's name so I could give him a shout out. The guy's from Utah. And he does have some of the funniest back and forth. You know, like some of those Instagram posts, they'll be like, one person will play like both sides of yeah. the table and they'll mm-hmm. go back Oh yeah, what is that guy's name? Dude, he is Shoot. so funny. He's like, He's so let, me, let me get this right. I can ride my motorcycle on this road. Yep. And if there's a shed laying right there, I can't stop and pick up that shed. No, because then it becomes a shed hunt. But I can ride my motorcycle right through. The guy, is, he does a good job of explaining like the very simplistic form of the very simple side of like what the shed hunting ban is. However, it is a much more complicated thing where, yeah, that's, you know, his point being one individual riding a dirt bike on a, on a road, totally get it. But when you put hundreds, if not thousands of people on the ground, off of the trails and roads, gritting the shit out of a South facing slope where, you know, these animals are bedded and, and using for feed and, you know, their water source and all this shit. And you're stressing them out on a, on a tough year where they don't really have a lot of other country to get Mm -hmm. to right? Like they don't have a ton of usable country. It, it's, it's, yeah, it makes a good point. Like I said, for that simplistic thing, but it's not that simple. Yeah. That's, yeah. The, that's yeah. the difference. It's I not think the guy simple. you're talking about Western underscore muleys. Mm. Oh yeah. That's who it is. Yeah. Let me, uh, Travis, Travis, what's his name? Travis Scholl. Yeah. Scholl? Guy does a great job of it. Yeah, he great. does a very good going job. Going back and forth. Sides, yeah, like, UDW, like a UDW the guy's, meeting. The guy is hilarious. I was yeah, laughing my ass it. off because he's right. I mean, he's genuinely right. The problem is, is when you get to the masses of the thousands of people being off trail in, in trail, off trail, <laughs> off trail, and, and Game being, trail. Get off trail. you know, and, and gridding the shit out of those South facing, yeah. you know, bedding, shit, bedding shit hunting is definitely more areas. popular. Than, than it's ever been. Than, than, than it was when I was a kid growing up, you know. I was, and I think, I, not I, I know, and I, I'm willing to argue this uh, without data and facts, but I am willing to argue it till I'm blue in the face. It's because tags have gotten a lot harder to get, right? So, like, mm-hmm. some of the enjoyment in hunting now is, you know, the, yeah. the grown-up Easter egg hunt, which, you know, we all make fun of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as much as we can. Look, I respect the shit out of it. Don't get mad at me. I'm just saying I'm not a shed hunter. I don't understand it. It's a grown-up Easter egg hunt for me. But I do understand where people are coming from, where if you can't get tags, 
and you know, and you, you it's not, wouldn't stop me from going out and glassing these animals and finding these, you know, big bucks, elk, whatever yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. I want to go, I, you know, if I could never get a tag, which, you know, mm-hmm. use Insider, yeah. promo code yeah. podcast, yeah. And, yeah, and find some other places to go hunting because that is not an excuse that you can't get a tag. You can get all the tags you want yeah. if you're willing to, like, be adventurous by it is you fun know. i mean i love to shed hunt and i i get it i mean i get I don't it. Like I, it i like it i really enjoy it it's yeah. fun it's a good time of year to get out in the spring it's fun to hike it's fun to pick up an antler and like you're saying it well is, in the spring it, yeah it, it like is a, when you're it, out it there a, already it is a grown-up easter egg hunt you know i there's is it is it a participation trophy no i don't think so participation trophy yes <laughs> i mean i don't know i know i i haven't sold sheds in a long time i have a i have a i have a big pile that I need to, to, to get rid of, but I know people, I personally know people that I think if they had the choice between You're monetizing wildlife. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But Be- between Doesn't that get into that conversation. Yeah, now? it does. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I mean, there is high. I'm hearing 18 bucks a pound potentially. Wow. Well, that's right. Is, I heard that which is high. I mean, that's, I think 13 is like maybe as high as I'd ever remember hearing mm-hmm. it, but 18, yeah. but, um, I know people personally that I think if you had them pick between shed hunting and hunting in the fall, they'd pick shed hunting. Yeah. Like they genuinely really? love. See, that's the, the, sh- that's the thing I don't understand. I yeah, don't pe- get people that. really dig it. And I, and I get that. Let me ask you, I wanted to get into this before I forget about it. Some of the other, the other, I hate to say wine, people whining, but yeah, <laughs> the, some of the other things, a lot that, of whiners so, out there. some of the comments I saw, uh, I saw some saying, you know, how can the division justify the shed closure when we're hunting, you know, yep. cow elk cow into elk. Mm-hmm. January. Uh, I saw one comment where somebody said, you know, I literally saw the division flying, you know, helicopter and catching yep. deer and elk, collaring them same time of year, same winter range. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, it's you, uh, so you, I don't think you could argue the impact like that, that the impact itself, right? If you're just doing a one for one comparison, mm-hmm. the difference is. There's a lot more to everything. It is all. It is never just a one-for-one one comparison, right? Those things that they are doing have implications for future management. Management. They mm-hmm. have implications for future goals and things. And the late season cow hunts, all this stuff. Like you can control that by the tag numbers, tag yep. notice, right? You can control it by areas that are open. You can do all that. When it's a shed hunt, when it's a free-for-all shed hunt, you can't control anything. Mm-hmm. It's just recreators being out there on every south-facing slope. As many people out there, there's no quotas, there's no anything. Yeah. Like, if they want to go down that argument, then okay, let's do a raffle for, for you know, shed who hunting? can go shed hunting. Because yeah. it's, I mean, if it's hunting... I hate to see it go to that. <laughs> I, I don't want, to, don't get me wrong, I absolutely do not want that. Let me be absolutely fucking clear. I do not yeah. want that. But it's like, it's not an apples to apples comparison because there one of them is just a complete recreation activity, no management, no like greater good, no conservation aspect to it, right? Those other sides have a, a, a an impact yeah. to support a future goal. They're yeah. there for a reason, like flying and catching animals. Yeah. Bro, that's what it what, takes. That's what, what biology that, takes. That data is going to go back into exactly. It's what, going, what going about to help them her, in the long run. Hand. I'm sure they are collecting. They're not just doing it to like. It's it's not like they're fly fishing out there, catch and release, and just you know mm-hmm. buzzing off and go to the next place. They're doing it for a reason, right? Yeah. And those those late season cow elk hunts, they're doing it for a reason. Yeah, they're they're managing those elk herds. Yeah, for again, it might be coming down to some winter range stuff later. And I've seen some of the stuff too, like, well, you go on those late season cow hunts, you're not just taking one cow, you're taking multiple. Cause that cow, uh, you pregnant? know, is pregnant. Not if shoot calf. Yeah, but then, then <laughs> I saw saying. some. Too, I saw some other comments too that were really interesting. They're like, "What about the mountain lion hunters?" Yeah, 
like they're running the mountain lions in the winter range because that's where the deer are and that's where the mountain lions are going to be and the elk are going to be in the same areas and you're running lions trying to take those lions which is also going to benefit wildlife in the that's later a on. conservation so thing you it's can't, a conservation you can't tool. hunt prey and not hunt predators like yeah. it's it's part of it and yeah, like the, you can still coyote hunt like you can still go out there and do all don't that don't pick stuff. up that shed when you see it though so that's what that's the weird thing too it's like what <laughs> that guy say like what if i am out there on yeah. an elk or a, any type of other hunt or something and i stumble upon a shed you can't pick it up but then i'm going to go into that area later yeah. And then disturb him again. So I'm disturbing him twice where I could just pick it up once. It's like he makes a great, uh, honestly, the guy had me busting up laughing. The guy yeah, makes a phenomenal are, point. I did read um, the definition of gathering. So gathering antlers, if that includes a lot more than just. Oh, this is going to be good. Yeah. yeah it, it's more than just going out. Like, so I've heard a lot of people be like, you know, I have personal friends that are like, we're going to go out. We're going to hike because hiking is still legal, right? Yeah. We can go out and hike. We're just going to, you know, GPS, we're going to stash them. Um, that falls within the definition of gathering. So if you're out hiking, GPSing shed antlers, you're stashing them in a tree, you are technically in violation yeah. of this this mandate. So to, to hopefully stop you from going in and disturbing them twice. And, yeah. and that's where I think, though, they might need a better definition of the term gathering and literally lay it out there because at the end of the day, why some of these people might get mad is because you're, again, only impacting the honest shed hunters who aren't going to go out and do that. So the yeah. guys who are willing to bend the law or say, Hey, we're out here bird watching today, or I'm out here taking my dog for a stroll. I happen mm-hmm. to find this shed. My dog ended up picking up and bringing it to me. So I'm just going to toss it in this tree, you know, like yeah. and find and mark it on my GPS for later. It's like the, the only hard part about it, all this is that it's, it's going to be a, a extremely difficult to enforce. So well, we yeah. are, our lifestyle is the most self-policed, lifestyle on planet earth there i uh, like honestly i yeah. can't i can't think of anything else on the off the top of my head that is more self-policed than the lifestyle that we live as mm-hmm. hunters and conservationists right and that's what it comes down to is like who who can act who's going to self-police them at a moral level that this all works right and it's like there's loopholes to every law my dog picked up the shed and brought it back to me and now like is that is that gathering? Uh, who knows? Yeah. But it's all up to like self-policing to a moral level that it's for the greater good, right? Like yeah. all of us are hunters at heart first. Well, maybe not some of your friends who <laughs> yeah. would choose. Uh, but I get that though. Like I, if they do love shed hunting, like that's, oh, their, that's their thing. And it, it's like, it does feel bad for them. Oh, it sucks. It, I get it. I get but it. Like right. if, you if, told if, me the, I couldn't do what I thing, wanted to do and everyone thing else could. The that sucks is that... It's it's not that they can't do it. I mean, think how incredible it would be if everybody just abided by the law. Yeah. We got to April or May 1st, and it was opening day of shed season. I mean, those guys are going to go out. They're going to get a chance to hunt. And actually, reality is for the diehards, they're probably going to do better because those animals will not been bumped from yeah, ridge, to ridge, to ridge, yeah, to ridge to ridge to ridge to ridge. You're not going to pick up a single elk horn and then never find the other side of it. You know. Yeah. So in reality, that I mean, it could be good, but that's like in a perfect world. You yeah. know. Do you, the, do you th- the, Everyone just abides by the law. Yeah, hey, we abide by the law as hunters, yeah. right? Like we we only have certain days to hunt. Hunts yeah, open at certain times. That's time. the thing. I mean, you get a chance to hunt in the fall. You have a set season. It might be eight days, yeah. ten days, whatever. Shed it is. hunting season. Like yeah. I, I agree. It, it's I, not that you can't go shed hunting. It's just you got to abide by the law. You got to wait for the season. Yeah. Do you think some of these people who might be upset about that there is now shed season and it's a little bit later could? you know, snowpack and all this stuff, make it easier to find sheds. You might have some green up and growth start happening by the time they might get in there. 
and so it makes shed angle, finding the antlers a little bit harder? Or do you think so it pushes back so later that people are then starting to switch into other activities, like they want to go fishing, they want to do other things, and so like maybe they want to shed hunt right now when there's nothing else going if on. If you're a diehard, then you, you if you're die hard, it's not going to impact you. But nothing's like, going to impact my hunting season. Like there's nothing I want to do more. Nothing is getting in the way. I'm I'm gonna pee my pants if I don't go to the bathroom right now. So I'm gonna dip. You guys keep talking. Yeah, we'll keep I'm talking gonna be right back. I All apologize. Right. My bad. Are you still drinking your gallon of water? That's it. Oh, I love it. The gallon water day, baby. Are you still drinking your you gallon, gallon of water? Yep. Yeah. That's why I was gonna have my other bottle in here, but yeah. Speaking of it, we got this new Go Hunt Orange. Yeah. Things badass too. It's a, it's a new light Nalgene. The ultra light Nalgene. Yeah, ultra light Nalgene. I beat the crap out of this past weekend trying to test it out. Yeah. It's and I'm awesome. still going to be drinking it full gallon a day. It's awesome. Oh. That's as far as I can possibly take it with having to pee. That I, t- was, I took it right to the brink. That was the limit? Yeah, I took it right to the brink. I was I was at a point where like I want Brady to finish talking, but I don't know if I can go that long. I could keep talking. So <laughs> we just need to get you a catheter. That's what we were just saying. I was just in there. I was like, I just need a pee bag. That's what it is. Uh, all right. Back to shed hunting. Yep. So, so go, no, go. go make your point. Um, so I, I made the point that I think it's going to be really hard to enforce. And I think, I think that's the issue, but I don't think that that's a justification. I've heard that too. Like, Oh, how are you going to enforce this? You know, that's a justification for just not doing it. Right. Yeah. But if you look back in history, you look at, I would say, look at poaching, you know, poaching when I was a kid, like a young kid, it may not been it wasn't accepted, but the the gray area was much more it was a wider gray area. Yeah. You know, p- party hunting was a was a thing. And I mean, mm-hmm. I've talked to old timers, you know, I talked to one old timer, I remember having a conversation with him. He went out deer hunting before school one day. He said, I jumped seven bucks, I shot all seven bucks. He's like, Then I went to school, I got all my buddies that had tags, we went back, we tagged all those seven deer, right? Mm-hmm. So and, and it was like, yeah, kind of okay, you know what I mean? But like I would say progressively now i think we're at a point where like people will not put up with poaching like we no. we police each other like we're, yeah. we're pretty i mean and there's you know there's programs that different states have you utah has one i mean if you turn in a poacher you know they're convicted. that's the best program on yeah. planet earth if you turn in a poacher mm-hmm. you get a tag for that unit yeah you, you get a tag right for, awesome for potentially that next year but I guess is what I'm saying is like the justification people saying like, Hey, this isn't enforceable. Isn't a reason that this is not a good idea, especially on a year like this, you know, I think we need, and I think progressively to be honest, and this is just me. And and again, I'm going to piss some people off, probably some really close friends to be honest, but it wouldn't hurt my feelings at all. Not one bit. If from now on out, we just said in the state, all Western states, to be honest, all Western states, we're going to have a shed opener season of May 1st. And, yeah. and it just became status quo that that was opening yeah. day of shed season. People could go out and shed hunt. And I think over time, progressively, as hunters, it would we, become the norm. It'd become the norm. And we, yeah. we'd and adopt we'd be okay it. with it. And this, yeah. is what comes, you, this is what comes into my mind about the self-police thing, right? Like I find I, I take a ton of pride in in being a hunter and conservationist that that self-policing is like the the most it's the most important mm-hmm. thing, right? Like that, that moral compass, that personal moral, moral compass of making the right decision in the moment. Is it an ethical thing? Is what I'm doing right now ethical? Is what I'm doing right now for the betterment of, of these yeah. animals, right? Like the shed hunters need to have the same mentality. It's just because you're rec- hunting is technically a recreation as well. We are yeah. recreating on the land. Now we are policed by, you know, a, a, <clears throat> at a scientific level of tech mm-hmm. quotas and from biologists and all this stuff. But like, 
what as a shed hunter what they are doing is also directly tied to the wildlife itself they don't have it without the wildlife right so like mm-hmm. yep. is that is their moral compass you know lower same or higher than than what a hunter and conservation like a true hunter yeah. conservationist is yeah. right it's like you got to have you you got to be able to self police and have that moral compass to understand why this is for the greater good of of you know the wildlife itself and i entirely agree with you and if I piss some people off, I don't really care because <laughs> I don't I don't have a lot yeah. of those shed hunting friends. But like that season makes a ton of sense to me. Yeah, and you, it's just a, a personal feeling, personal opinion of mine. It would yeah. it just it just wouldn't hurt my feelings. I think it'd be good. I think overall it'd be good for the resource. And it that's, really would be. I agree for with the that. resource itself. Yeah, I agree with that date after. because that's the same date as a lot of these other you know what are they called wildlife management areas when they mm-hmm. open up shed hunting in a certain time frame. What was that midnight on some of those winter mm-hmm. ranges? It's like you could just do it at that date. But I also wanted to ask your opinion on it too, the public versus private for shed hunting. Because like a lot of these is public and private land. Mm-hmm. But I think it's the same thing goes into, well, the laws when we're out hunting are for both public and private for yeah. the most part. There's some the most different, part. different things like Trail cameras is a little different. Yeah, there C- with CWMUs. Kind of CWM, some yeah, there's there's but some like, but overall, but I mean, overall, it's, it's still gonna be a benefit because that wildlife shit. does go on your private land. Yeah. It goes on public land, so it's like if you're on private, you know you can pick that up on May first. Yeah, like there's gonna be no pressure there. You don't have to worry about it. I think that's what some of these people might be a little worried about is they could get a jump start on someone else. Well, that's <laughs> that's my point of the self policing is like, can you yeah. rein yourself? You know, eating having that thought eat at you that somebody else could go get it before you illegally. Is that going to make you also go be illegal in, yeah. in gathering and so, yeah. GPSing and stashing but, these things in trees? Like, But like what Trail said, it eventually could become status quo and you'll be okay with it yeah. at, across the entire West. Yeah. And to your point about private land, by the way, I just want to make this point real quick. I actually think the private land, they have more responsibility yeah. because more often than not where private land lies is winter range, is winter range right? Mm-hmm. I think they have more responsibility. Mm-hmm. To leave them lie, to let, to let yeah. it sit. I mean, they don't have the worry of somebody coming in illegal in the back of their mind. That's going to them, you know, then motivate them to go do something a little shady, right? They don't have that, so they should very easily be able to abide by a May first rule every single year. I mean, it's primarily private land is where you know that's that winter range stuff. Yeah. What do, What do you think then about like this new Wyoming bill? <laughs> That you saw passed around. So what that basically was like is a Wyoming shed hunting permit. Yeah. But for non-residents. For non-residents. But it also looked to be a seven-day non-resident shed hunting delay. Yeah. And so residents of the state, again, would get that little benefit. Sure, they live there. But yeah. non-residents are going to get that seven-day delay. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever, Wyoming. Whatever. But again, at, if, this, if, at this point with Wyoming, I'm just like, man. They just they're just taking every opportunity. Am I? It seems like it anyway. And I don't know if this is like with the task force or who this is, but it just seems like they're constantly. And I can't blame. Them. I mean, you know, you're a resident of Wyoming. Resident of Wyoming. I get, it. I get it. You love your state. You love yep. your resources. You got phenomenal resources in Wyoming. I get it. If I yep. lived in Wyoming, I'd probably be real, you know, ultra protective as it seems that they are right now. I mean, it just seems like a lot of the bills and laws that are coming through that state right now are pretty directly aimed at non-residents. I'd be interested, like, how many people, maybe there's a bunch. I don't know. Maybe there's a bunch, yeah. I I would be curious to know kind of what this stems from. To me, it feels like more of a... A gut reaction, like, oh, hey, you know, we can get some more money out of this. Let's get a little money out of this. We'll stick it a little bit to non residents. But here's the thing that would solve all this, like we're talking about earlier with Trail. If every state was May 1st, 
those people who live in, I'm not going to pick on Utah again. Like Pick on them. Nevada. Live, live in Nevada. <laughs> yeah. If Nevada's May 1st, Utah's May 1st, Wyoming's May 1st, don't you think you're going to shut out your home state on May 1st and not go to Wyoming? Of course. Yeah. So then you're not going to need that seven-day grace period for the state of Wyoming because you're going to want to hit your home state because you've been able to, <clears throat> over the years, know where they shed and whatever rather than yeah. going to Wyoming. So you wouldn't need that. Yeah. You might not need that, that non-resident thing because every state just opened on May 1st. You're going to have people hunt, shed hunt their home state before they go to a different state. Mm -hmm. And then you're not going to have to worry about this whole non-resident resident battle that we're always in, it seems like, in every single Western state where non-residents always feel. Yeah, I think there's a very natural thought that, you know, the dots connect with that thought for sure. Like that's a, I, I think that that would naturally happen. No question. Right. Mm -hmm. It's hard to say, but like, it seems yeah. pretty fucking natural. In my I mind. mean, here's, here's the thing with this, all this talk about shed hunters and shed hunting and, you know, seasons and, you know, permits and all that. Like I have a lot of friends that are shed hunters. I read all the comments I get the frustration. Like if you're a diehard shed hunter, like if somebody told me you can, you can't arc tree elk hunt, you know what I mean? Yeah. I would, you know, I'd feel slighted, right? I'd feel like, oh man, I, you know, that's my thing. That's what I want to do. Right. Yeah. It's like, I get their level of, I get some level of frustration. Like I get it. And, and I would say primarily their biggest concern is that really all you're going to do is you're going to, like you said, the honest. So the honest are not, are not going to go. They're going to stay home. And then the three, 5% people that go out there and, and break the law are going to clean up. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I think you see it in Nevada. I've heard it anyway. Yes. I don't, I don't shit out in Nevada that much, but I've heard it kind of happens that way. There's yep. a few people that go out and really clean up. And I mean, man, they do great because yep. there's nobody else out of the landscape. Right. Yeah. Um, I get it. Like I get, I get the level of frustration. I, I sympathize a, a little bit, I guess I should say. But again, I just, I think you got to look at it on the big picture. Yep. I sympathize with it a lot, just to be clear. Like yeah. I, if, if you can put it in any point, anything in your life, right? Like nothing more than I love than to go to gym, the gym in the morning, right? Mm -hmm. And I primarily lift. I love to lift. I fucking hate cardio as I think everybody, <laughs> Swear jar. It, it shows. <laughs> well, I'm passionate about it. I think it shows by just looking <laughs> yeah. at me. Um, your arms some, are bigger than my legs. If, if somebody told me. You can't go to the gym until May first because you lift weights. But these guys can go to the gym because they're they're only on the cardio equipment. We got to give. I yeah. when you when you boil it down to like an unbelievably simple viewpoint, like totally understand and sympathize with it that you don't get to do what you want, but other people are out there in the same areas doing what they want. Totally get it, but it's not that simple. Like that's the point. Mm -hmm. of, I feel like should come across very easily when somebody would just open their mind up, not get overprotective, not get pissed off enough to to just see red and nothing else. It's like, this is a much bigger picture. You are tied to something much bigger than just that shed hunt, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're, it, it is something, it is tied directly to the resource just like hunting is. Yep. And one, I think, you know, they, if the diehard shed hunters could calm down just enough to see that, I, I, it makes more sense. Yeah. Like I feel like it makes more sense. And again, I, I think if you adopted it and you just said, Hey, this is it, we're yeah. going, we're going this direction. I think in time it might take several years, but I think people would generally yeah. adopt it. You know, most people are pretty good about following <clears throat> the law. Yeah. You know, I, th yep. I, th I think they we're really, really good and we're good about, you know, 
self-policing and, and even a little we're bit great like said, at it on the other sides of it. Yeah. Great. We're, we're great. And, be, and I would say increasingly becoming better. Better. Right? I Especially totally when you agree. talk uh, game yeah. violations, poaching. I mean, I think we've gotten a whole lot better, at least mm-hmm. in my lifetime we have. And I think yeah. you'd see the same thing if you just adopted it. My opinion again, I think it's, I think it's good for the resource. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm in favor. I don't know if you're not drop a comment below and just chew our asses. I'd love, well, I, I mean, <laughs> I'd uh, love to hear it by all means. I could sound like the biggest idiot ever right here. And by all means, like you, somebody has a point to say it, I'm, I'm all for it. And i and I want to understand it, but, but I do sympathize with it. I just want everybody to understand, yeah. like if you're looking for a conversation of sympathy, bro, I'm, I'm here for you. Cause that does suck to be told you can't do it, but yeah. you got to see the bigger picture in yeah. my opinion. And, and then to throw something on top of it, which is going to get a little more into the weeds. What about all these people who are going out there taking photographs of wildlife on winter ranges before they're even dropping? Yeah, and also, also, yeah, son, you have, I think that that's also neither a very finite yeah. time of year, too, because it's winter starting. Yeah. It's getting harsh. And now they're on the winter range. They're not dropping sheds yet. But you got, like, it's an easy spot to go take pictures of some giant bucks Wild and giant easy. bulls. Yeah, especially on a year like this where there's only so much so, usable. So, again, that's range. a different use case of people going out there. But, but it's directly tied to the resource directly itself. Directly tied to the resource and as I well. And I think, look, uh, you know, I'm a libertarian at heart. Stay, government needs to stay out of everything. Let us do our own thing. How, like, however, you know, rules are made for a reason and made for the certain types of people out there. But I do, you know, this goes against me and my, my general feel of government staying out of everything. But, like if one domino falls like this, right, then it makes it easier for the next one to be like photography of the wildlife on the winter range to be thrown into it as well, right? Like it, just, it takes progression. It can't all happen at once. That's my general opinion. Again, could sound like a complete idiot, but like, you know, mm-hmm. then things can start being thrown into, okay, what else is directly tied to the resource that we need to give a break until May 1st? Yeah. yeah. You see that argument too. I've seen the, you know, the phrase government overreach thrown around a lot yeah. and I get it. I think there's something to it, but again, I just, I think things progress. I think, I mean, there's never been more people that are interested in shed hunting. I mean, things change. We're not, we're not operating in the same yeah. environment that I grew up in. I mean, there's way more people generally just living. I mean, across the winter range, there's more people shed hunting. There's more people we've seen applying for hunts in the West. Things progress. So like we, we, I don't know. I mean, it's the same thing that you tell, I tell environment, you know, environmentalists, like we're not going back to the 1800s. Yeah. 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 There's we're, we're just not, there's more people here than ever. Never happen. Yeah. There's and, also more people snowmobiling and cross yeah. country skiing and backcountry skiing in areas where there is sheep living there's mountain goats living like yeah you have encroachment across the whole board yes the way i see it i mean i i see it as things have to change sometimes yeah i agree and it has to change with it has to navigate this you know the the proper change of what's changing outside of the world itself of of just hunting like we're talking about right Mm -hmm. like if i'm making any sense here the world the hunting world is changing but so is the outward world as well right it's like it's all changing at once they're all it's all, it's just got to follow suit, right? Yep, absolutely. It's a, it's an interesting conversation though. I'll tell you yeah. that. Like, it's a fun one to talk about, but just like to hear everyone's opinions on this. Yeah. And like, yes, there's no right or wrong. You don't ever want to be told you can't do something, especially by yeah. the government. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and that's why I said yeah. here for sympathy. But when you look at the greater good. Yeah. I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting. I'll go out. I'll go out May 1st, take the kids, see if we can find some sheds. Maybe there won't be any. Maybe probably, probably, all, probably, all, probably all we'll see is boot tracks, but, you know, it is what yeah. it is. And I, I mean, for people that say, like, 
<clears throat> it's not that big of a deal and there aren't that many shed hunters on the landscape. I mean, I can only speak really from my personal experience and I would suggest that there's definitely more people on landscape. You know, I used to have honey holes, uh, in units near where I grew up. I used to go in there every single year and I could pick up, you know, three or four sheds every year guaranteed if I hit that honey hole. You know, last year I went in there, I picked up one shed and ran into a guy that evening in the road. I was, he had four or five. I said, you know, how's it going? You had a good day? Yeah. I talked about it. He goes, yeah, my buddies are coming. We'll see what they did. There were nine people and they had literally gridded gridded that whole hillside. And I think they picked up 26, but they were lined out a hundred yards across this entire ridge and they had gridded that whole entire hillside. So like to to me, like there's, there's more people and then, and then the impacts there. I, I mean, I think. Yeah. I entirely I agree. And again, I don't, it's, it's, I don't a understand. Opinion. I don't understand how you could fight yeah. that side of it, though. Like that's that's where I'm coming from. Yeah. I sympathize again, just to be clear. But like when you look at it as from the thirty thousand foot view, I don't understand mm-hmm. how you could argue that. And now you do that on a year like this, where there's only so much usable winter range, yeah. and you get guys strung out across the ridge line and jumping deer going left, right. You know. Yep. In in their home, in where they're trying to be safe, they're already stressed out. They still have a long winter ahead of them. Yep. You know, like it's not over at it's all. Not it's not over. Really you, look at, you look at what's coming in next week, just yeah. down here, right? Yeah. Like it's the yeah. winter's not over. No, they still got a long ways to go. Yeah. yeah. At the time of recording, it's March second. Yeah. And this is they're still. If you start shed hunting now, like there there is still a lot of winter left. These yep. po- these late spring snowstorms that always happen in all these yeah. states get hard crust going on. Like yeah some really cold temperatures like whew. yeah i we, would love to see the comments on this on yeah, this one though. That'd be good. yeah I, I, drop, I, drop us comments i welcome i, 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 I want to hear too. people's opinions yeah, yeah, exactly too. i'm a fan if they're of, against it or, or for what i'm we're a saying. fan of open conversation like i have my opinion and my viewpoint and uh i'm willing to to talk it through but i'm also willing to understand somebody else's viewpoint if they make a good point yeah, yeah. And i think too like hunters and people who are passionate about this have done a really good job of yeah, commenting on even the UDWR's Instagram post. I really yeah. hope maybe some of the people in these states are starting to read these public comments or comments on our YouTube yeah. video about this podcast or some of the articles that are anyone can see, and they start realizing, hey, these people are talking about some things. Maybe we should take some of that in consideration. That's a good opinion. Maybe we should just expand on this stuff and like grab all that stuff because, yeah, it's not a public comment period. It's not an official thing where you can submit your comments. But yeah. It's a great way they might be able to take some of that feedback and listen to some other people too about how we can maybe collectively have something better for the wildlife and better for the sportsmen at the same time by listening to everyone's thoughts, opinions, yeah. rants, whatever it may listening be. Listening to it from all angles. All angles right yeah. now. And you have a great way to do that with, you know, how passionate people were about it. And maybe we'll see how it goes. Maybe yeah. afterwards people are like, hey, it was great. You know, the shadowing was awesome. because everyone, everyone had I, I, like I'm with what Trail said earlier. If everyone truly followed the guy, the rule, it's a, it's a law, right? Mm-hmm. It, Place law. In the law. No. Right now, yeah. So if everyone followed the law and there was, you know, nobody did the shady shit of going out there and tried to get the head start and, and gather and GPS core, if everyone truly waited till May 1st, it would be better. Yeah. Uh, it would be like, better. And it would be better in your home state. It'd yeah, be it would better, be better, you know, like if, if all the states just had that season of May 1st, I genuinely think it would be better. Yeah. We've, um, I'm going to switch just real quick. Um, we talked a lot about Utah. Yep. Um, we had Dax yeah. and Mike on the podcast. Um, as I, I love listen, that podcast. Yeah, it was a good way. podcast, and I appreciate those guys coming on. There's something, as I listened to that podcast back, there was one thing that, that kind of stuck out to me. In Utah, uh, application coming up, we've talked mm-hmm. a lot about Utah. It's in April, in April. 
Um, there was one thing that I wanted to know, and I, I, I don't know if we'll get a chance again on a podcast to like really talk about the Utah draw. And we've kind of beat it to death anyway. But we yes, we, we yeah. talked about it. But yep. there, there is one thing I wanted to talk about that he said that I think is worth noting, especially for guys that are applying for elk in Utah. And that was with the new elk plan, the percentage breakdowns for the allocation of permits. Mm-hmm. So uh, previously to this plan, um, I went down and I, I broke some of the hunts out to see how tag numbers laid out, right? So under the new regulations, 25% uh, for a limited entry elk hunt will go to archery, yep. uh, 60% to rifle. And then within that rifle category, they're going to break that down into 10% early rifle, 30% mid rifle. So that's that new October season, which will be mm-hmm. on all units, uh, 17% late rifle, uh, 15% muzzleloader, 3% multi-season, right? So the thing I thought that was interesting in that is that previously uh, the breakdown for early rifle was like 28% in some of those hunts. That early rifle hunt now goes to 10%. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So you see what I'm saying? Yep. It's a pretty significant swing. And now you've got that 30% of the permits now being allocated to the mid-rifle season. So just to give you an example, and and I'll wrap this up real quick, but just to give you an example, I looked at a unit in Utah, the Dutton, which is right out, was out my back door when I was a kid growing up. Um, so from 2022, Dutton early rifle elk hunt. So that's a September elk hunt, right? Yeah. 15 permits were allocated. Uh, we stick with this new elk rule, and we go into this year, five tags. So that's a 10-tag swing potential swing. Yeah, yeah. So if you're a guy and you're applying for Utah and you've got a bunch of points and you've been banking and you're looking at that early rifle September elk hunt, you need to really dig in and start to look at this, what that could potentially mean to you because that's 10 tags less. Yeah, that's going to sway your draw odds. That's going to sway your draw odds. So I would say take that in mind. Uh, your better odds are going to be for those mid rifle hunts. And that may not be, it may be the type of hunt you're looking for. Cause like I said, it's an October hunt versus a prime rut hunt. Yeah. But consider there's definitely going to be less early season rifle elk tags. So I, and wanted, honestly, to, I wanted to hit that just as a, you know, coming from the conservation mind here, I do like cutting those Prime rut, prime rut tags. Well, I mean, there's, if you if you just look at the Western landscape as a whole, the amount of states that offer <clears throat> a draw, a public draw for like just the absolute prime elk rut hunting dates mm-hmm. with a rifle. Yeah, not many. Not many, yeah. and I, and it's for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's for the greater good of the resource. And yep, you know, I've hunted it before, taken advantage of it before. I you know, I've hunted that quite a bit growing up in in Nevada, Southern Utah was kind of the that was where, that's what we did, right? Like my family, everybody. And we've hunted the shit out of those prime rifle dates is when I was a kid growing up and still, you know, Mm -hmm. got a lot of friends, family, uh, getting those tags every so often. Like we took advantage of it. Don't get me wrong, but I am a fan of kind of pushing that out a little bit. Yeah. And if you look at the breakdown, like, like Dak said, I mean, they were tasked with trying to increase opportunity while still maintaining a trophy experience, if yeah. you will. So that's kind they of they did the, a good job breaking that down too. On I, the I think they, they did. did a really good job. Yeah, they really did. But I did it made a lot of sense. Yeah, as I was kind of prepping for this week, that was something that kind of caught my ear as I was listening <laughs> yeah. to that podcast. And I, 
you hear percentages thrown out. You know, I heard him when he said it. He kind of broke them down for yeah, me. Yeah, but when you put it in, in yeah, real terms, when, when you put terms, it in real, yeah. yeah, in terms like, hey, this is a potential, you know, fifteen tag to five tag swing. I mean, yeah. that's pretty significant for guys. Did you do it? Did you do math on any, any of the limited entry units that have higher end tag quotas? Uh, I just, I didn't. I just, just yeah, I just one. looked at that one right now, just for just to see what it would be like in you know layman's terms, if you yeah, will, yeah, just to yeah. give an example of what you could potentially be looking at and. You know, as I go through and I do the application strategy article for Utah, I'll try to break those down to my best ability on what I think. And the other good thing about Utah this year is they did move their draw deadline back. um, And those tag recommendations will have been made through the RAC process. So we will have a much better idea of how many permits Uh you are potentially available. That's uh, a game changer. Yeah, Yeah, that'll be nice. And they've never had that before. No, you're going in blind to Utah. Yep. Usually, yeah, or, usually. or uh, yeah. in the past. Yep. Which really isn't a big deal until you get to the point level where you're like, man, I could potentially draw a tag. You know, you, you definitely want to know how many permits you yeah. are uh, competing for. It's your mountain goat story. Yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah. So I did want to touch on that. For- and, and if guys want to listen to that podcast, that is episode 57. The mountain goat big, one? No. Ep- <laughs> oh, Dax? Yeah. 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 Which yeah. you did bring up your mountain goat in that one. Yeah, yeah. Did. So did. Episode 57, Big Bulls, Bucks, and Hunting in Utah. So that was the podcast you want to check out. Yeah. Big Hunt guys. So They did a good job of breaking that, breaking yeah. that down. It was a really fun podcast. Really to listen to it. I, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, again, I'll be honest, because yeah. you know we're in the podcast, but that's the one I listen to again. Me too. Because there was so much really good information in there. And just those guys were amazing to talk to. I felt like we had a really mm-hmm. good conversation. Like I could. I loved in the beginning, too. You're like Dax. You ever read those those uh, comments? He goes, "Well, if I'm ever feeling yeah. really good about myself, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll go in there and knock myself down a peg or two." Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. uh, pretty funny. Well, cool. Anything that's what else? we're gonna. That's what we're gonna get on ourselves here with this shed hunting and all this shit. Yeah, People are gonna it. come in and knock yeah. us down a peg or two. What I just want to touch on one more thing. Yeah. What? Our boy Trail over here. Yeah. He's starting mm-hmm. his own podcast. Yes, he is. <laughs> the Game Trail. That's Game it. Trail. How'd this name come up? Because I think I was gone. You were gone. You I were Havelina hunting. hunting. Yeah, we'd uh, we kind of kicked around the idea. I can't even remember what else was proposed. I can't remember. Right out, the, right out the gate, people would kick some ideas around. I don't know. I think, I think I probably just kicked. You know, I was on a run one morning and just thinking about possible names. Yeah. And that one just seemed to stick. Yeah, a little play on my name and. You know, Clinton game, Forest Trail. Yeah, Forest Trail. We could call it the Forest Game Trail. Forest game trail. <laughs> <laughs> too much, right? No, I'm yeah. excited for this one too. And just so everybody knows, like the reason why this came about is there is not a person out there that geeks out more on like the actual, not like the purpose of the gear, but the actual gear itself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he literally buys multiple of everything just to test them out. And 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 not like I'm saying, I don't know how to make this make sense if you don't know trail, but like not just for the use case of the gear itself, but like truly the like the the way it's built, the reason why it was built that way, the materials it's made out of, like the like literally the purpose for everything involved in that piece of gear. Um so it's a very like gear based yeah. um use case for gear based podcast. Yeah. So we're gonna do it. I'm gonna be doing twice a month. Yeah. So by by monthly, is that right? By monthly. By monthly. Yeah. And it's gonna be gear heavy. And like you guys said, I'm kind of a self admitted gear nerd, gear junkie. I don't know why. It just worked out that way. I just like You were just programmed I, I, that way. I just like stuff. I like playing with stuff, trying different things. So it's gonna be pretty heavy gear driven. Um you know, I'll, I'll have some guests hopefully sometimes. Then there's sometimes like today I'm going to be doing the first podcast on my own and 
I'm going to take a run at that. So it'll be like 45, 50 minutes myself, just, just rambling. Uh, I'm going to try to do some Q and a at the end of, uh, each podcast. Um, we put a feeler out yesterday and we've had pretty decent response. Those comments were really good. Yeah, I yeah. really enjoyed reading through those comments. Yeah, screenshot. Uh, I mean, bro, people are trying to learn some shit about gear and the use cases for gear. This is about as good as it gets. Mm-hmm. Yep. I may do some rambling like we did today. Yeah. You know, and talk, the, the thought process gear. behind this was we're all lucky enough to have trail on text, cell phone, see him in the office all the time. <laughs> trail, what, you, what is this for? What should I use? Yeah. What, what am I doing here? We want other people to have that experience with trail. Like we, we're too lucky to just be able to be like, Hey man, should I use this? <laughs> so it'd be, it'd be good. I'm looking forward to it. Like I said today, um, record the first podcast. I think middle of March, the first one will come out and we're going to, we're going to call it the, the game trail. <laughs> awesome. The game trail. Yeah. I'm proud of you. Like Clinton, <laughs> like Clinton for my boy blue. Criteria. I'm going to be horse at the end of the day. Yeah. No I'm talking. Yeah. This is more talking than I do in a week. Easy. I know. I agree. <laughs> it's kind of why I like the podcast too is cause it's, uh, I'm pretty quiet day to day. I'm a listener more than a, than a talker, but this kind of just, you just get to put it out there. Yeah. It's yeah. Nice. Well, good deal. That was a good one. Um, I, I'm, I'm interested to see if you guys got comments. So if you got comments about the podcast, I know I am too. Yeah. Drop them, drop them below. I'd love to, love to see it. Yep. It was a fun one. Glad we could sit around finally and get the boys back. Yeah. And just have a, you know, a Mission fun conversation. Could be, we're trying to avoid talking about some of this stuff. Like we, I mentioned it to you the other day, but like, yeah, stop talking like, right we now. Gotta, we got to save it. We got to save it for the podcast. Yeah. So we all know one. each other enough that we kind of, we kind of know, but it is nice to hear, yeah. you know, hear it all the way through. I think it's good. It's good to get some guests. It's also good to, to do these type of podcasts. I think it's good, good vibe, good yep. discussion. So the boys are buzzing. They're always yeah. good. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, appreciate you.